On this episode, we discuss Dungeons and Dragons. The movie, not to be confused with Dungeons and Dragons, the food. (laughs) 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 Told you I had a hot one. Told you I had a hot one. A plus, A plus, plus, plus. We're not going to do better than that, so let's move on. Everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Oh, hey, it's me, Stuart Wellington. And hey, this is Elliot Kalen. I should warn everybody I'm battling a cold, as you can tell from my sexy Kathleen Turner voice. But mm-hmm. uh, don't worry, my voice will be back to its non sexy Elliot Kalen version in time for our upcoming virtual live show on March 19th when we'll be talking about Masters of the Universe. More about that upcoming virtual live show on March 19th later in the episode. But first, I'd love to introduce our guest for today. Very excited about this guest. Uh, he's someone whose work is very celebrated in the Kalen household and hopefully households across the country. Uh, his name is Adam Rex. If you don't know him, he's an incredibly versatile author and artist. He's got roughly 70 hundred children's books under his belt. Yeah, that's right. Some personal favorites. Yep. Some personal favorites in our house are the, his two books of monster poetry, Frankenstein Makes a Sandwich and Frankenstein Takes a Cake, uh, School's First Day of School, which he wrote is a, is a big one here. And of course, Nothing Rhymes with Orange, which I think is is – Maybe my favorite picture book of all time. Uh, he's the illustrator of a new book that's out now called Gladys the Magic Chicken. Uh, and Adam Rex is our guest today. Thank you so much for joining us, Adam. Thank you so Excited much have for having me. And I should warn you that my voice always sounds bad. Oh, oh. okay. Warning received. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stuart got it. He's putting it in his I'm pocket. It. I'm putting it in my mm-hmm. pocket. There you go. In okay. his warning Rolodex. He, you know, so Stuart, mm-hmm. whenever he gets a warning, keep... he writes it down on a Rolodex page, <laughs> mm-hmm. puts it in his Rolodex, and he just kind of secretes it into a pocket that's bigger on the inside than the outside, mm-hmm. which is how he avoids bulges by putting a Rolodex in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to – if I go out into public and I have unsightly bulges, I got to tell you, people don't like it. Yeah, he only wants the sightly <laughs> no, ones. I get, yeah. I get negative reviews, <laughs> down votes. How many sightly bulges do you have? Like three, roughly? Yeah, I mean – Wait, milk, milk, lemonade. I'm always I always wonder what are they making around the corner? <laughs> wait, let me check. Is that wait, you know what? It looks like fudge. So wait, wait, Stuart. I'm remembering from I'm remembering from Jared Leto and House of Gucci. We should not we should not not, com, uh, not confuse, uh, confuse two different things, chocolate and another yeah. thing. So yeah. yeah. Uh Stuart, fortunately for Elliot's voice, uh you seemed like the proper man to talk, uh, to do the synopsis for a Dungeons and Dragons movie. Hell yeah, because today on this bad movie podcast where we watch a bad movie and talk mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about <laughs> 2000s Dungeons and Dragons. Now, yeah. this was a movie that was that was uh, suggested by our guest, uh, Mr. Rex. Why, why Dungeons and Dragons? Well, I, I'm, you know, despite your nice introduction, I'm keenly aware that probably most of your listeners don't know who I am. And I, <laughs> I feel like they're probably wondering why does he get to guest on his favorite podcast? I don't get to guest on my favorite podcast. So mm-hmm. I wanted to yeah. pick a movie that would kind of justify. I mean, the weird thing is the person, the person thinking that is Paul F. Tompkins, who does get to guest on all of his favorite podcasts. Right. So <laughs> it's really uh-huh. unfair of him to think that about but you. This but is anyway, my first, you're saying. And I wanted to pick a movie that would seem to sort of justify my presence. And before <laughs> I got into children's books, which I consider to be my my life's work, I 
made my living for years illustrating fantasy role-playing games and collectible card games, uh, Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and & Dragons and stuff for White Wolf. And I did just hundreds. Hell yeah. Yeah, White Wolf. I did Changeling. <laughs> did you ever play Changeling? Hell yeah. I mean, I played it like once or twice, but the books are gorgeous. Well, probably not because of any of my work. I did a tremendous amount of really bad work back then for Changeling. And as long as mm, nobody okay. takes that information and goes out and tries to find any of it, I'm comfortable with you knowing that. But <laughs> but I did uh, I did a lot of good and bad stuff for, for D&D, just hundreds of illustrations over the years. And... And so I thought maybe that'll translate to expertise. So I picked sure, this sure. movie so that at least people would hear that about me and think, okay, that makes sense. So yes, when you were illustrating, did you mostly did you mostly specialize in dungeons or in dragons? I was more of a dragon guy than a dungeon guy, but uh, but yeah, you gotta you gotta take what you get. Yeah, now, they have two I, stables. I, no. They have a stable for dungeon guys and a stable for dragon guys. And they let them out of their stables to draw pictures and then they make them go back at <laughs> mm-hmm. night. And this <laughs> is why I never made it yeah. as a I never made it as a D&D artist because I misunderstood the concept and I sent them so many pictures of Dungeness crabs and uh, they just yeah, accepted mistake. none of them. Yeah. Yeah. Stuart, I was wondering, did you know this about our guest cuz I was trying to read your uh face assuming that your eyes would bulge out of your head and you mm-hmm. start drooling. Yeah, <laughs> if it they was bulge out of my head and then but... pop out of the eyelids and <laughs> dangle down my face well, and then so swing you, around. A steam whistle would blow and then your eyes would turn into dice. They would roll themselves mm-hmm. and then oh, the yeah. words critical hit would appear in a neon sign over your head uh-huh. and then mm-hmm. you'd have to stuff those dice back into your eyes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But, no. uh, you know, you can, you know, <laughs> listeners at home, Alex, throw in a sound effect. People know what, what just happened. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I I feel like when we, when, because Adam, you did a, you did a limited t-shirt for us, right? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when uh, Elliot suggested that you were up for doing a shirt for us, uh, hopefully I'm not misrepresenting Elliot, uh, I feel like, we, I looked you up and I'm like, oh shit, he did all this art that I love. <laughs> um, because, you know, I'm, I'm not always the best person at actually researching who does all the art in the, the library of uh, role-playing game tomes uh, outside of my buddy well, you Tom assume Fowler. You, you assume they're photographs of the real beasts and monsters. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That I'm assuming that's what happened, drawn from life uh, from a photograph. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, in, in a Pickman's like, model you know, type scenario. Yeah, exactly. that has been reproduced, you know. So what? Uh, before we get into this, uh, what I need to ask uh, ask you, Adam, is: Did you do any of the art that graces the pages of the sewers of? Wait, wait! I gotta. It's called the sewers of Sumdol, which is the. I'm think. I think I'm saying it right. Yeah, sewers of Sumdol, the role playing adventure that Wizards of the Coast made to. I think it was Wizards of the Coast made to go along with the DVD. Of this movie, <laughs> so it would have been with the, the events at this point. Yeah, movie. I I, uh, I overlapped. I did. I actually worked for TSR and then you know later for Wizards after they acquired it. And no, I had nothing to do with the tie-in adventure sewers of Sumdol. Sewers of Sumdol. Okay, I well, should have well, that's yeah. up. I wonder who did that. Actually, it's like must have they must have uh, commissioned some art for it. I mean, take this as constructive criticism. You would be a better guest if you had. Oh, but yeah. you're still you're still going to be a great guest. Still going to be a great guest. All right. Actually. I think I think that leads me to the next point. Since you're not familiar with the book, I say instead of doing this dumb fucking podcast, we just play this fucking oh. adventure. Guys. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> now it says you just need this booklet, some D sixes, and three friends. 
<laughs> I got three friends. Uh, oh, it's really fun because you get to play through the events of the movie. Well, a like a weird version of the events because there's a zombie zoo, which I don't remember being in the movie. Oh man, um, that would have made it so much better. And you get to play <laughs> yeah. as as our four main characters, who we'll learn about more in more detail later: mm. Ridley, Eat. Snails, Elwood, and oh man, Elwood. Uh, who Marino, uh, correct, me, correct me if I'm wrong about this. Elwood is never named in the movie, is he? Hmm. I don't believe so. Uh, the only be. reason I know his name is because a caption came up on screen when I, because I had the <laughs> captions on because it was loud, that said Elwood with his dialogue. And I was like, and I, so from that point on, I was like, I wonder when they're going to name this character. And I don't think they ever did. So this is the <laughs> dwarf we're talking do. about? The, this yeah, is Elwood the, the dwarf. dwarf of the battle axe who, as we'll see, joins the joins the party because they woke him up sleeping on the street. And then he's just <laughs> with them for no reason. Yeah. like I looked at a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff and that the dwarf, you know, like is played by a man of, uh, of of average height who uh, okay. had to um, sort of hunch and just sort of uh, walk. They had to use, Dan, are you telling me they had to use movie magic? No, no but, but not really movie <laughs> magic. They just had him sort of crouch as he walked around, <laughs> okay. which but I every, thought was a great magic, detail. That's the thing about magic, Dan, is it's always disappointing how they did it. It's the art yeah. of illusion and um, distraction, and that's how they get yes, you. Yes, that's yes, how they yes. get you, yeah. Of course. He didn't so, really make the Statue of Liberty disappear. Right, he just pointed the cameras away from the Statue of Liberty. Like, you get that, right? Are you yeah, talking what? about Cloverfield? <laughs> yeah, David, Clo David Cloverfield. <laughs> the, the, the magician who made the Statue of Liberty's head come off. <laughs> it was all done with mirrors. It was all mirrors. <laughs> okay, so, uh, well, this movie came out in uh, the year 2000. Um, mm. And uh, what, is it two years later? I'm trying to remember. Is it one year or two years later? Uh, this movie was produced by New Line Cinema, mm -hmm. uh, who mm -hmm. a few years later produced another fantasy film. You may have heard of it. It's called The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, and I think you're going to see some similarities between both these movies. Dwarves, elves, and uh, a couple of weird media specific <laughs> weird, plot points, which is actually kind of funny. Politics. <laughs> that's true. That's in there. Um, so do you guys want to get into this movie Let's real quick? It. Fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. That's let me what we're here first, for. Let me put away the adventure that you guys don't want to play. Mm. <clears throat> okay, no, no. So I mean, I couldn't wait. It's a sewer adventure, so I assume we meet the Ninja Turtles at some point. So maybe we can play mm -hmm. it another time. I don't know how you guys uh, watched this movie, but uh, we actually rented it from like Tucson's last remaining video rental store. The, <laughs> oh, wow. The venerable uh, Casa Video. And it was... I mean, I can't blame Cost of Video. I imagine this is a DVD that was made 22 years ago because there was never another edition that was necessary. But <laughs> it, the whole thing looked like a poorly compressed JPEG. The 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 menu looked like a CD-ROM game from 1993. It, and if ever there was Sounds a movie good. that should be watched on a 12-inch television with a built-in VCR, it was this one. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's convenient that some of the special effects also look like they're from a CD-ROM game from 1993. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so the movie opens, as I mentioned, New Line Cinema logo all, still gets me pumped. Uh, we get narration. <laughs> yeah, because you think you think that, that uh, what, Freddy is going to show up? Freddy or uh, a later Jason. Uh, <laughs> so we get some narration. Uh, we learn that they're the Empire of Izmir mm. is kind of a mageocracy that's ruled by a council of mages plus an empress, uh, and the young empress wants to balance the power to share it between the commoners and the mages. But the leader of the mages, a dude named Profion, is like, uh-uh. So that's all we need to know. That's all the world building yeah. we're getting. 
we get a little, uh, and obviously already everybody's really excited because that's how you get pumped as you hear a little bit of backstory. Yeah, um, well, and I want to say that these two characters that we've met, uh, in, well, we've heard their names, mm -hmm. represent the, I think, the highest and the lowest of the acting in this. Like, uh, I do, I'm usually pretty easy on actors, and I don't really blame the actors in this because everyone in it, I think, is bad other than Jeremy Irons, who is... Always electric anyway. Oh, I liked, so I liked Richard O'Brien as well. Yeah, Richard oh, O'Brien's yeah, so pretty, pretty great in it too. If, if you're Thor not Birch if you're not the, a uh, if you're not a melodramatic Englishman in this, then you're you're in trouble mm -hmm. yes. in this movie. Yeah. No, they know what to do with this kind of material. Whereas yeah. Thor Birch is the princess and a, 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 a an actor I've enjoyed very much in other movies, but seems mm -hmm. totally lost here. Well, like uh, like so she's reading, reading off of cue cards or something for much of the it time. It is it is the flattest princess empress performance in a science fiction fantasy epic and that's speaking as someone who recently rewatched the prequels that like oh, it's, yeah. it's flatter than the amidala performance but i, I i'm going to give her uh the benefit of the doubt that like the this was a first time director she was working with uh who yes. his his name is courtney solomon not the first flop house movie we've done by him he directed getaway with ethan hawk which we did mm. years ago, um, right? And she apparently she apparently that's, shot that's the one this where Ethan Hawke just drives a car around Eastern Europe, right? Basically. Yes, very much so. And she apparently did this right after she shot American Beauty, but before it was released. So, and it sounds like she was just so emotionally drained from the American Beauty performance that I don't think she necessarily had it in her to provide the uh, the necessary stuff. You know? Yes, and at, since you've already brought him up, I just wanted to say that the story behind the making of this movie seems a lot more interesting than anything else because Courtney Solomon, who wrote and directed, bought the rights to Dungeons and Dragons when he was 19 <laughs> uh, and then spent like 10 years putting together funding and originally was just going to produce it. They like were going to get big name directors for it, but there were a lot of Different things that happened, uh, as alluded to before, Dungeons and Dragons, the game traded companies, uh, the rights to that. Like, and so eventually he wound up making a major motion picture for his very first film, which is probably why all of the acting in this is uniformly pretty terrible because I imagine that first time director it was out to sea. And especially a movie, a first time director on a movie with a lot of effects. They're shooting yes. it in Eastern Europe uh, and they didn't have as much money as they thought they were supposed to have. Everyone knows you need to direct one small indie movie, then you direct a major exactly. 100 to $200 million a big budget franchise yes. film. That's and you how won't you be do allowed it. to direct the the action parts of that that'll be pretty no no and they hire professionals to do that yeah yeah um but yeah so so but jeremy irons is a wonder to behold it's like every yeah, yeah, yeah. every muscle like in his face it. yeah every muscle <laughs> in his face should get its own credit like they're all working doing it separately <laughs> and at high intensity and just each eyebrow is is doing different things you know it's amazing yeah and at, and at this time Dungeons and dragons was obviously an established property but I don't think it was – its stock wasn't as high as it is, say, like now, for instance. You mean mm -hmm. that that Saturday morning cartoon hadn't rocketed it to that well, top? Well, and then it had dipped again, Dan. This was years okay. after the Saturday morning cartoon. This was um, this was uh, uh, BNWC, which is before Nerd World Conquest. So 2000 mm -hmm. nerds were still in the process of conquering the world. Not like today when nerds do conquer the world and have become bullies <laughs> and control all of popular <laughs> culture entertainment. Yeah, it's a real shame. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So we we have uh, an opening sequence uh, where we are flying around uh, the of what is it sub some doll some I think it's some doll uh, which is the capital city of Izmir. Um, it's a really cool uh, CGI cutscene, um, and then we uh, we fly around the city and then immediately plunge into a sewer. Awesome! Uh, it does feel a little bit like the like the opening of like a like a horror movie logo, like a production company yes. logo. But we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, we are in a dungeon where Profion, played again by uh, the lovely Jeremy Irons, and his <laughs> buddy Jeremy's Iron. Da- Damodar, played by. Oh, the the bald guy. Yeah, like the Damodar is Bruce Payne, who was Billy also Zane in Getaway. With the blue lips. Yeah, he's got the blue yeah. lips. I don't know if he's a, a warlock of Karth. Um, he. I gotta has, say, I really like his look. He looks like he's just yeah. trying to be Rob Halford. He's got this big metal armor and leather <laughs> armor. He's bald. He's English. He's Rob Halford. And I can't not like that. So they're hanging out in a dungeon while Profion shoots lightning bolts at a scepter, and then he caresses that scepter, and you're like, that scepter's got to be important. Um, (laughs) And then he lets out a really cool red dragon, and he tries to control it using the scepter. It works for a second, and then it definitely doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so he's, he's... so the the dragon gets a little bit out of control. So their only option, of course, drop that poor Colas on a ki- and kill the dragon. Which <laughs> yeah, rank that shit. Yeah. Now, yeah. I am assuming that a lot of the people that are watching the movie are already established fans of Dungeons and Dragons. And at that point, they're probably wondering, how did a door kill a dragon? <laughs> Those things have so many fucking hit points. Yeah, yeah the yeah. dragons in this movie are basically just dinosaurs. They are not intelligent they you know like a, a a gold dragon just to put my second pair of glasses on right now a gold dragon should be <laughs> supremely intelligent and and mm-hmm. uh, a powerful magic user in its own right and so my wife really appreciated me pausing the movie to tell her this time <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh so um, wait, we, and then you ran to imdb to put it in the goof section yes, right obviously <laughs> Uh, so he explains that he wants the scepter of Izmir, uh, which is, would allow him to control all the gold dragons. Unfortunately, that is in the possession of the Empress. Now the Empress is, uh, is played by Thora Birch. She, I think as an attempt to kind of make her a little more involved in her performance or to like wake her up from whatever stupor spell has been cast on her. (laughs) They put this weird headdress on that has these like little dangly balls. (laughs) I think it's supposed to look like dragon heads. I can't tell, but it is very distracting. And it it seems like, I don't know, it seems like an odd choice. It certainly does not look like the crown of uh, a ruler. She has kind of a disco inspired look for much of the movie, I think. Yes. Um, okay, so the Empress learns from this old wizard like Valdim Valdir or something <laughs> that uh, if she uh, if she can control or find the scepter, uh, no, she already has the scepter of Ismir, but she learns that there is another thing, the Rod of Savriel, which would allow you to control all the red dragons. So she's already yeah. got gold dragons in one hand, but what if she had the rod with all the red dragons I in the other hand? I have already reached my fill of fantasy bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's super awesome. However, unfortunately... This conversation is being spied on magically by Profion, and Profion's like, "Haha, I'm gonna go get that rod of Savril. Very cool." Profion's okay. got his—he's got his little, his own little salacious crumb, who's just like a little tittering dragon man that flies around and just listens and, and it's, laughs. It's and an imp. Flies away. Okay, it's an yeah, imp. It is, okay. It's, it's it is one of the few uh, times when the movie actually uses something kind of correctly from the monster manual. So it, it's an imp. I mean, it, not it's, it's an it, imp. How about? 
How about later when a beholder shows up and it just floats around and doesn't do much of anything? That beholder is basically just like a magical Rottweiler, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just a dog that goes, and then runs off after a stick. <laughs> I, I, I know enough about, you know, your classic Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> uh, cr- creatures that I too was able to annoy my wife by saying, oh, that's a beholder. But uh, then she's like, what does it do? And I... I like oh, looked it man. up. Well, yeah, no, the yeah. thing was like I was the totally defeated ro- male leaves the tribe. <laughs> I, I assumed. <laughs> I assumed that it was kind of as as shown in this movie because my oh, my other biggest association with Boulder is when like a Beholder esque creature shows up in Big Trouble in Little China, and both times they seem or when to Stuart be kind plays of a Beholder. Secure. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, that's as not he did on Welcome to the Magic Tavern. That's Stuart. I'm not going to take hello take from the magic he does here, so. uh, or the <laughs> tattoo on my arm. Yeah. But so I, I just assumed oh, he was kind of a guard dog, and then I looked it up. I'm like, oh, Beholder has all these magics in their different eyes. Exactly. Apparently. Yeah, it's realize. dope. Uh, my wife actually walked into the room while I was watching this scene, and I'm like, look, Shar, there's a Beholder, and she goes. Did they get enough eyes on it? And then I immediately had to pause the movie so we could have sex. <laughs> like, stop flirting with me, babe. But you, <laughs> had, make me you, had sex, up. you had sex while locking eyes with the paused image of the beholder on screen. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. You kept whispering, this is for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yum, yum, yum. Okay, so uh, meanwhile, uh, Marina who is uh, a student of Val- Valden Valdir, the wizard, uh, is... I think his name is Vildan. Vild, whatever. Um, she, <laughs> she's, she's trying to help him find the scroll so they can find the Rod of Savriel. And they find the scroll, but it's like, you know, it's uh, enchanted. He can't figure it out. Uh, okay, now let's cut to let's get to the real story, guys, because we see a, we're introduced to a couple of plucky young adventurers who witnessed the results of uh, that dragon dying because uh, the dragon blood sets the, the whole CGI river on fire. Dragon blood, CGI dragon blood sets the whole river on fire. So our two our two would be rogues, Ridley and Snails, decide <laughs> to use that distraction to break into the magic school. Now let's talk about these two gentlemen. Uh-huh. Now Ridley and Snails, cops. Yeah, Ridley yeah. is played by um, uh, an Justin actor Whelan. that I. Yeah, I mostly know him he, for the guy. He took over as Andy in Child's Play Three, and I oh, text- see, I know him as he was he was Jimmy Olsen in the New Adventures of Lois and Clark. Okay, well, uh, here in this movie, I texted both of you to say I hate this lead because he must have put all of his points in uh, stealth and none for charisma because <laughs> dexterity. This guy, uh, I I just felt like everything he seems to be trying to do like you know, roguish patter throughout the movie. And he always just comes off as a creep to me. And meanwhile, Snails is played by Marlon Wayans in a (laughs) performance that even at the time when I saw this on video seemed regressive to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I do not blame him for taking the the part, but it is written as a caricature of like, I don't know, is it like from from an earlier era of a scared, dumb, black, dude and it was kind of unpleasant well uh, I, mean, I wonder if that's one of those things where if it's if the part was written as a scared young black a scared uh dumb black guy or is just a scared dumb guy and by casting marlon wayans in the role they're, it becomes they're playing a, into bad stereotype it becomes a bad stereotype yeah what, I, what he what from what i was reading he did a lot of ad-libbing 
and apparently mm. the uh, the rule was he got to ad lib three lines for every three lines of the script that he said <laughs> as written. So, wow. so it's hard to know where the blame falls. But he does he does come off as a stereotype caricature character for sure. From what I read, he was simultaneously shooting Requiem for a Dream. During this, which is terrific, <laughs> yeah, which is so confusing. I have not seen that movie. I have to admit, but I have, I'm under the impression it is a a good prestige short sort of movie. And and he just yeah, <laughs> Marlon Wayans just kind of squeals his way through every scene that he's in, like five seagulls wearing a human suit. <laughs> yeah, well, of, I mean, of those two movies, one is a harrowing experience making you question why you're spending your time uh, watching it, and the other is Here's Requiem for a Dream. Textbook, textbook, air horns, air horns, confetti, confetti. Holy Grail, Holy Grail. So, they are breaking into the wizard, the magic school when they are... Yep, they are confronted by Marina, uh, who uses some magic to bind them up, and then she's going to show them off to uh, Val- uh, Vildan, only to find out that Damodar and his Crimson Brigade have already arrived. And <laughs> they want that I scroll. Every time I hear another one of these names, like my, my <laughs> brain starts shutting down. Well, but would you ra- would you rather their names were like Joe, Stephanie, like stuff like that? It would it wouldn't work. No, I understand. Knuckles, I understand Sonic, why it Tails. Yeah. I just my, oh no, I, oh no, Richard and his <laughs> Crimson Brigade are here. Yeah. <laughs> I just have a hard time. Like I like my memory rejects what's what any of it means, but. So yeah, you have uh, to take this over to the wizard Gary. Only he can help you. I would know who Gary was. Like, oh, that's Gary. <laughs> so, so Damodar kills Vildan. Marina grabs the scroll and uses some magic dust to make a portal uh, to escape. And in the process, she drags along our two would-be thieves. Mm. Uh, Damodar and his Crimson Brigade quickly follow, and we have a brief chase through the streets of uh, Sub Doll. And uh, it leads them in uh, down an alleyway where in a big pile of trash, they bump into <laughs> Elwood the Dwarf. And now we have an adventuring party, guys. Yeah. And he just kind of, I don't know, he seems to just join them because he doesn't have much else to do. Yeah, yes. El- Elwood, is the, Elwood is the character where I felt, watching this movie, I felt a lot like when we watched Super Mario Brothers, where it was like, the movie just is like, okay, and go. As long as we keep moving fast, nobody's going to ask us any questions and we don't have to answer them. And when Elwood joins, it was like the movie was like, you knew they were going to get some more people. Like, so he just comes along with them. Like, he doesn't yeah, need a know. reason. He doesn't need a character. You know, <laughs> so, because they wake him up. He fights Damodar for a second, then runs away with them. And the next scene, he's just creeping around town with them in a cloak. And it's like, well, <laughs> why did he stick with them? I don't know. Like, yeah. if you are ever... If you're ever in a situation where you are just walking around on the street and you get in an argument with somebody and then an, a passerby just happens to be there, he doesn't then become part of your family that just goes with you to whatever you're doing next. Like, I, it's, it, I found it very, yeah, really funny. Normally you have to complete some kind of like subquest or something well, to, yeah, to exactly. get them to join your party. Say, and then you can start leveling them up. And then if you're lucky, you can do a romance plot with them. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. kind of what and I as, was... And, what do you say, Dan? No, just that this, like, in a weird way, feels like the most realistic to Dungeons and Dragons part to me, though. <laughs> where, like, you know, it seems like so many campaigns start with just people being like, "Uh, we're all in a tavern, and like, we're, <laughs> we're kind of like, yeah, we're adventurers, so we'll join this thing." You but, know, but and- think about it. I guess so. But it's like, in it, so let's take a good movie. It's called Star Wars. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called Star yep. Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yep. No, I so, saw. It. 
So this 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 young farmer dressed as a karate well, guy yeah, and this and this old wizard who lives in the desert. They go yeah, to a yeah, bar yeah. and they're like, "We got to get off I the said planet." I saw it. Okay, well, <laughs> let me. I just set the scene. Anyway, they go and they talk to a space bear and a and a pirate in a vest, and they're yeah. like, "Hey." Can you join us to get off the planet? Help us get off the planet. And he goes, uh-huh. can you pay me for it? Yeah. And he goes, we got to rescue a princess. We'll pay you if you do it. Okay. It's as if in that movie they had gotten into a fight. Han Solo saw the flight, the fight and said, hey. And then the next scene they're on Han Solo's spaceship and he's like, let's go, boys. And it's like, wait, when did you meet each other? When did I- you agree <laughs> to be part of this adventure? You know, I do. I do feel like, yeah, like the whole middle section of this movie is when I really kind of started to lose interest. And I think you've put your finger on a big part of why, which, whereas like at the beginning, you know, like the, the lead characters are framed for murder and yeah. I feel like they have a personal stake in things beyond just kind of and, a generalized, and you love a like, little bit let's of world stop building. this war, which is like a great, don't get me wrong, let's stop this war is a great motivation, but maybe not for these particular characters who seem to be rogues who just like, you and, know, and live who hate mages. Of, and, yeah, yeah, Ridley, yeah. So, Ridley has an inborn hatred of mages because they rule and he drools. Yes, exactly. So in the middle, I'm like, why do I, why do these characters care about anything they're doing? But, <laughs> I do think this movie really was trying to be Star Wars though, right? Uh, oh, for sure. I, it, I mean, they have a cantina scene. Yeah, they have a cantina scene. They they have an emperor type character who shoots lightning out of his fingers and chews the scenery of every scene that he's in. They have a Darth Vader black armored character. They, I feel mm-hmm. like Ridley is basically just Luke and Hans smushed together, and and snails mm-hmm. is basically C three PO, and uh, and Marina no, is no a like a haughty uh, Princess Leia type, except. Unfortunately, nowhere near as competent as Princess Leia was at any point. I have yeah. to stress, like nine times out of ten, they 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 try and smush the Luke Skywalker and the Han Solo character together, and it almost always never works. Like, yeah. the part of what makes those characters fun is that they are different. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm just here. I am just complaining about stuff. Let's get back to Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. The, On the fly. Yeah. <laughs> So they uh, they uh, they enlist the aid of an irascible dwarf and escape through the sewers. I mean, we uh, we assume they enlist his aid. They have never talked about it. It's just there's in no between deal scenes laid that out. they yeah. draft him in. You know, his yeah. name is never spoken in the movie. There's almost they almost never address him directly. I'm not sure they know he's with them for a lot of the movie. At one point, they ask, "Are you going to come with us?" And he says, "I guess I have no choice." But then yeah. he asks for payment. Which is a terrible <laughs> negotiating tactic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, no, you you always want to start from a position of weakness. <laughs> when I mm-hmm. now, whenever I go in, <laughs> whenever I go into negotiations, I go. Let me just put one thing on the table. I have no leverage, and I need you much more than you need me. Yeah, yeah. So, let's start the bidding. <laughs> just <laughs> you know. just to let you know, I would do anything to write for the movies or TV. I do not even need payment. How much do you want to pay me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, our adventuring party uh, then is relaxing in a tavern. As you guys mentioned, they have now been framed for murder, uh, the murder of Vildan. And uh, Ridley and Marina start to argue, and they're reading the scroll, and then somehow they read it correctly, and then they both get sucked into the scroll. Somehow, somehow, uh, Marina's talking about how her, her boss, Vildan, couldn't get this scroll to work. And Ridley is like, well, when my dad used to fix wagons, he'd put his hand here and his hand here, and it works. So this scroll, which is 
keeping the most powerful rod in the universe uh, secure. It somehow works one under the of same the most powerful rods. One of the most powerful. It works under the same mechanics as a wagon. Which is, <laughs> or, you know, which is just a funny thing that like. Well, also like, how do you figure out like what part of a wagon corresponds to a scroll? Like, a, this oh, is a very good it, question. I think it's pretty obvious. Hand here and hand here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> counterpoint from Adam. Very obvious. <laughs> okay, no so further questions. <laughs> at this point, now we're left with snails and Elwood just hanging out, and at this, you're probably like, okay, I wonder if they have a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Mm. They don't particularly have cool stuff to talk about. <laughs> An elf tracker shows up. Who's looking for them? Snails immediately is uh, is lovestruck. He will do anything he can to sleep with this elf. Elwood, however, is explaining, no, 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 he is not sexually attracted to an elf. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, shortly after the elf shows up, Damodar and the Crimson Brigade show up, and a brawl starts. Perfect time for oh, Snails and Elwood to sneak the fuck out. What? I had a question for you. So, so before this cantina, according to my notes, is when... Profion implants some kind of a monster into Damodar's Damodar's head. Yeah, yeah. Damodar fucked up. He fucked up one too many times, and he now gets a monster stuck in his head. And what was that (laughs) monster? Is that a real thing from the game? I know this uh, because thanks to the fact that I did rent the DVD, I listened to the director's commentary. (laughs) Oh, wow. Well, you really went above and beyond. This is well, impressive. Okay, so here's the You should be hosting this show. I watched this movie three times. (laughs) One time, and then my wife and I thought, maybe we should watch it again. Maybe you'll, you'll think of something else interesting to say. So I watched it a second time, and then I was like, Feels like you I just wanted to watch it again. <laughs> I should have listened to the director's commentary. So today we actually put it on for about an hour with the director's Ooh. commentary. Wow. That's what you've turned me into. But Well, that's what I turned myself into. This was my idea. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in the director's commentary, they refer to this thing as a mind flare, which... Mm. Obviously, uh, is bullshit. But a, yeah. a mind flayer in the game being a humanoid with a, basically a cephalopod head that uh, can mm-hmm. use his tentacles to like suck your brains out. But they referred to this as their version of a, of a mind flayer. So it has no That's, real real oh, analog. Okay. That's super lame. Illithids are cool. You'd like them, Elliot, because they're kind of like purple Cthulhu's, and they love are that. powerful psionics. Uh, I okay. love tentacles. I love psionics. I love Psionic the Hedgehog. And they eat your brain. I love Psionic um, oh. the uh, the hamburger place. Is it all drive through? Mm. I think it is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love Psionic Youth. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. Dan, give me some more. What other ones? The uh, Seattle Psionics. Uh, what, what other what other things are that have Sonic in them that I can replace with Psionic? Uh, booms. Dan, I don't this know. is what. Yep. Booms? Yeah. That's that's what Guile says I when he know. throws his attack at you. Yeah, he says, says Psionic, psionic Boom. boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, which actually wouldn't make sense because it's an attack. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, okay, so <laughs> it wouldn't make sense that he's actually a powerful psionic because that would allow him to do such powerful attacks. Uh, <laughs> attacks that a normal human could never do. I love that you told yourself it do- didn't matter and still <laughs> you can, could stop. So uh, Snails and Elwood sneak off into the woods. They open up that scroll and then Marina and Ridley pop out of it. Where I, do they kind of explain where they I were? I don't know. They, well, that's, this <laughs> they basically just this argued is, the whole time. My guess is that this is a show of the either the budget for the movie or something in the editing that I have to assume there was supposed to be some kind of at least scene in that map world or adventure that they have. 
and it just doesn't happen. And they learn some yeah. kind of information from it, right? But we never see any of it. And that, that's my yeah. guess is that either something was scripted and they couldn't afford to do it or yeah. they did it and it was just worked so poorly or the movie was too long and they just cut it out. Yeah. You know, that's my guess. So, yeah, As, they, and so they said we can cut out this adventure that explains what was going on in the map or we can cut the conversation about what kind of – what kind of mythical creatures snails and L would each prefer to have sex with? They said, well, we <laughs> yeah. can't cut that. That's gold. That's Solaris, what people want yeah. from yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Dean. It's in both their contracts. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we they learn that in order to get the rod, they first need to get the Eye of the Dragon, which is a giant ruby, and they have to go to Antius, where it is held by Grandmaster Xylus, the leader of the local thieves' guild. So Sounds great. They go to Antius. They go to a market. Uh, Snails is stealing everything that isn't uh, nailed down or snailed down. Mm. Like, a, uh, like a, a candelabra. <laughs> he like takes a candelabra and a dead cat, and, <laughs> and he's not even sneaky about it. I mean, at that no. point, yeah. he's not thieving for economic reasons. It's just a compulsion at that point. Love of the game. Like, that's that's a compulsion. Good thieves, because earlier when they're like plundering the the mage place, like they pick up. Just a, a a wooden cage with a mouse in it uh -huh. is one of the things they're stealing. That they go to they go to rob the the magic school and they don't steal everything that snails picks up. Ridley goes, no no no, not that. And it's like, so what are you gonna take? Like what every, are you, what do you? I don't. Every what are you time looking for? These, every time these thieves go into a new room, they basically treat it like it's a fucking escape room where they like pick everything <laughs> up, see if there's a fucking combination <laughs> written on the bottom, <laughs> while I'm in the background trying to drink from a flask. They needed to lean into the D&D &D of it and have these two be different classes. Like, why are they both thieves? There could be the yeah. the Ridley competent thief character and then, like, a comic relief terrible bard or something. Like, hmm. Marlon hmm. Wayans could have been breaking, I'm trying to compose songs, heroic songs about the, what they were doing or anything else because he's obviously a terrible thief from the moment that he shows up. I mean, I hadn't thought about it before, but snails and scales are very similar sounding. Names. Very similar. He could have been a dragonborn bard who uh, is perhaps always singing about how he's blue. Dabu di, dabu di. But you know, if you want to know what that means, uh, become a Max Fun member and I think, enjoy. I think our those bonus are actually uh, those are in the Adventure Zone feed. So if you oh, want to okay. listen to a good podcast and that will be occasionally broken up by us doing a podcast, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go over and check out the Adventure Zone. Option. I will say. Uh, Listeners of those episodes where we did Adventure Zone stuff will know that I was singing that I'm Blue song a lot. It has now infected the other members of my family, and my older son, will, Sammy, will just yell at me, I'm Blue, and I have to respond with Dabu D, Dabu Dai, Dabu D, and then he'll join in. And my wife hates it. And we took some time a couple weeks ago, and we I was like, let's watch the video for that song. He's like, that's a real song? I was like, yeah, that's a real song. Let me show you. And we watched the video for it, and I forgot how ludicrously stupid it is. Like I knew, And how the verses of the song are like, here's a story about who guy who's blue, and all his clothes are blue, too, and his house is also blue. And my, yeah, yeah. And my son was like, did you write this song? <laughs> Yeah, I was hoping that the the, the, the punchline of that would be like, so we watched the song and Sammy, the video, and Sammy's like, I don't like this song anymore. <laughs> oh, no, he still loves it. Love the video, love the song. But he, he's, he it was very similar to the songs I make up that are dumb. So anyway. Yeah. So in the in the market, they trail a uh, blue purple, guy. Purple, a purple guy with mm. oh, an okay, eye in fair. the middle of his head. Uh, Adam, uh, what uh, what race is this guy? I'm pretty sure they just made this up. I wonder if they just had a like pre-existing... All characters are made up. Okay, well, fair. <laughs> but it was not brought up in the director's commentary. I, I sort of 
came to to think that maybe they just had a creature design sitting on the shelf already and yeah. slapped it on there. Very possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is it is very jarring too because there's not that many non-human characters in the movie, and I can't think of any others that are as non-human as as that guy. Yeah, and every so once in a while, this, in like, go on. No, no, you said, uh, what were you going to say? Every once in a while. I was going to say every like once in a while in like the tavern or in oh, that, that's right. that's that market, right. you'll see like an orc mm-hmm. walking around that kind of looks like a turtle. Uh, yeah. and I'm kind of into it because it is, it feels like it's, it feels like it's a puppet almost, like the whole thing's yeah. a puppet. I um, thought that those were Kappas. I thought they went to Japan, got a Kappa, cast him in the background role. But uh, among a... This, this, you're right, in the backgrounds every now and then you'll see like a, a monster person, but this is the only one who's like a speaking part character who's wearing yeah. like a heavy latex mask. And it felt very, I was like, either do it or don't do it. Don't have one dude be the one with an alien face. Like have a bunch of them, you know. We'll say he's probably a tiefling. Okay. Um, so they eventually get taken before the leader of the Thieves Guild, Grandmaster Xylus, who is played uh, large. He's yeah. a well, big performer. Yeah, he's played... But- well, that's Richard O'Brien, writer of Rocky Horror Show. He played mm-hmm. Riff Raff in Rocky Horror Show. And, like, he, I love his performance, though. He's playing it. He's a big, decadent, like, uh, you yeah. know, sly Englishman. He is you the know. best immediately, in the movie. Yeah. Well, immediately also, you want more of this guy. Apparently, yeah. like, this is, uh, you know, behind the scenes, I read that this is, like, a kind of a goof on a role that he played on television. Uh, like, there was, like, a... Oh. Uh, some sort of... On the d- it was a UK game, game show. show that, yeah. I think it was called like yeah, the Crystal that, Maze. Exa- yeah, oh. that, that sounds right. That and makes so sense. <laughs> it's a reference to something that like I can't imagine. I can't imagine that many people saw this and were like, oh, that's Richard O'Brien, let alone <laughs> realize <laughs> what it was a joke on. But it's in and it's of itself, it's fun. Similar, another parallel to Fellowship of the Ring. It's like when uh, Boromir, played by Sean Bean, picks up the shards of Narsil and he cuts his thumb on the blade and he says, still sharp, which is both a reference to him playing, uh, obviously, Richard Sharp from the Sharps Rifles. Mm. And also because he was in a series of uh, Razor commercials where he would nick himself and say, still sharp. Oh. oh. That, that so, is such a, like... Looney Tunes level of of cultural reference where it's like it expires almost instantly and <laughs> 70 years from now people will be watching uh, Lord of the Rings and be like why'd they make a point of doing that and then someone will look it up on a Stuart website. Stuart will same pop way that, up out of the grave. <laughs> yeah. The same way that I would look up on Looney Tunes I, I would look up like why does that, why do they say this in Looney Tunes? Oh, cartoons. Oh, that's a reference to a radio show from 1942. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to build my whole personality around it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I like it. But uh, Okay, so Grandmaster Silas yeah, so, is like... Yeah. I was say, Richard he, O'Brien's greatness. I, I like him the whole time. Yeah. He's great. He brings a lot of energy. He's fun. And he, uh, does, he explains that, of course, if they want the eye, the only way is they have to go to, through this deadly maze that no one has ever survived. Mm. And then, and of course, so yeah, we're, we're at a dungeon. So of course the first thing this movie does, which there's multiple dungeons in this movie and every single time the same thing happens, Ridley goes in by himself, which the Mm -hmm. first rule in D and D is you don't split the party. That's one thing you learn. You like, what's the point of having a group of characters with a bunch of different, uh, skills that help complementary skills. You want them all together, but instead, no, let's just have Ridley, the boringest dude, do the whole adventure by himself. I I think you're right. It's, that's the big one of the things that I'm always amazed by when we watch video game movies is how they 
try or don't try to include the mechanics of the game into the movie, like with Mortal Kombat, where it was like, we're going to come up with a reason why it's a bunch of one-on-one fights in different levels, like different locations. Um, But in this one, it feels like they were running away from the game mechanics rather than embracing it, and it is weaker as a result that, like, Ridley is the only one who really does much of anything throughout, like Marina does occasionally, but it'd be more fun to see a group of them like you're saying, using their different skills and playing off each other in that way. And instead, they're falling back instead on the, like, there's a single hero. It's got to be the white guy. He just is naturally the leader and naturally the one heroic one. And so he's the one who's going to end. By the end of the movie, he's like, um, you know, he's the hero of the empire. Spoiler alert. And it's, but you're like, I don't really know what he, what was it about him that made him do this? Because he doesn't seem to be particularly better at anything. He did a flip one time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he has to go through the maze. Uh, The maze involves him uh, avoiding a bunch of traps. There's one where things swing at him. He dodges it. There's one where flame shoots out of the walls. He doesn't get flamed and jumps through a hole. It's really exciting. Because once once he figured out how to time one jump in the swinging thing, he was basically fine, and it was and it went yeah. from dangerous to totally doable. And I just and then very we're funny watching that, him still jump over each yes. single one, and I'm like, even American Ninja Warrior knows when to fucking fast forward. <laughs> yeah. like, like all they had to do is cut away, but instead we got to watch him go through <laughs> what is no longer a danger to him anymore. While while Richard O'Brien looks on, going, mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was the room where he had to only step on the red painted tiles. And yeah, like the, the only wrinkle at any point was at one point, like one of the red tiles like flips over to yellow. But I was watching it like, what is so? I guess he made this murder like maze, but also made it, you know, gentlemanly. It follows the rules. Like once you figure out that you can step on the red ones, it's fine. Like it was, it was like, why would you like? Why would you design traps where there's a key to it like that? That's very easy to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the reason why is because he wants to entertain his friends. Mm. He's he's cool a guy trap, with a lot of friends. He wants to show maze. off his cool trap maze. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's in the okay, eye where we first see uh, Ridley's sword as well. And that sword is way too nice. I, Ridley's, yeah. <laughs> Ridley's whole deal just looks way too good. I feel like we were supposed to, yeah. we're supposed to understand he's very poor, the... The narration at the beginning of the movie says that people who aren't mages are essentially slaves. And Ridley has a really nice-looking sword, which is a really bad decision since he's given what we're supposed to understand is the nice sword later. Like, they really— <laughs> That's And it looks true. the same. Yeah. They should have highlighted how crappy it was and or had it, like, break while he's doing these stupid traps. Yeah. Or cool traps, would, devious traps. It would have been funny if he's, he's Richard O'Brien's like— He's never, no one's ever survived this maze. And while he's going through it, he's just besting obstacle obstacle. And Richard Brown's like, did we forget to drug him before he went into the maze? And he just looks over and sees an uneaten cupcake on a tray. He goes, oh, damn. Yeah. So, of course, uh, Ridley retrieves the eye. And Xylus is like, actually, I'm going to break our deal, which is the first of many deals that are broken in this movie. Until the very end when uh, Profion actually upholds a deal, which I was shocked by. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, Xylus break, uh, decides to break the deal. Just then, the the Crimson Brigade barge in, led by who? Damodar. <laughs> That's right, Damodar. Uh, of course, a brawl breaks out. Uh, Damodar manages to capture the scroll and Marina and get out of there. So our heroes are down one scroll and down one wizard friend. <laughs> Uh, so they're on the run. They bump into Norda, 
the elf tracker from before. Uh, they all decide to join forces. Marina tries to convince Marina in uh, is in a dungeon, uh, Damodar's dungeon. TM uh, tries to convince Damodar's Damodar. dungeon is also is was also his family restaurant. <laughs> yes, Damodar's <laughs> yeah. dungeon. <laughs> Uh, dine in or dine out. Um, okay. Uh, I feel so like kids I, I eat feel the, like <laughs> kids eat their weight on Saturdays at Damodar's Dungeon. Uh, See, I, I feel like Damodar's Dungeon would be one of the games in the list in war games. Like, oh, what do I want to play? Thermonuclear War, Damodar's Dungeon. And <laughs> wait till you play Damodar's Dungeon. These and, deals. And the, and the computer goes, uh, let's not play that one. It's not that good. <laughs> okay, Joshua, whatever you say. <laughs> so we get a little bit of body horror here because Marina tries to convince Damodar to let her let her go. And for a second, you think she might actually convince him. And then these weird worm things shoot out of his ears and attach to her temples. And I'm <laughs> like, I wouldn't even put somebody else's earbuds in. Yeah. I wouldn't want that dude putting those things on my forehead. Well, she doesn't uh, really have much to- of a choice in the matter, I have to say. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's one way to read the scene. <laughs> um, it's not. It's not. It's not like he goes. You can tell me, or you can use my weird, my mind flayer ear tentacles. And she goes, "I want to do it that way." Yeah, yeah. Let me, let's do it that way. I want the worst way. <laughs> I'll try anything once. I mean, when yeah, am I, I going to get the opportunity to do it again? Exactly. When? That's it's an experience. In, obviously, if you're in her position, you say. I'm just going to tell you, but can you tell everyone else you had to use the tentacles? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I want to see. Tell your cool. friend to use the tentacles. It's fine. It's cool. Uh, I'll back you up. Yeah, that's probably what happened in real life, you know, but the movie had to print the legend. Oh, so you- you're saying since this is Dungeons and Dragons at, based on the autobiography yeah, of Marina, you're saying exactly. when she was talking to a ghostwriter, she said, oh, no, no, he totally used the tentacles. I would never yeah, give yeah, up yeah. Ridley. Never, never. Yeah. So uh, the tentacles actually allow him to read her memories and he figures out exactly what's going on. Um, the good guys decide they're going to try and infiltrate this camp, this like uh, Damodar's dungeon, as we mentioned. Mm. Uh, it's in mm-hmm. an old fortress. Yeah, uh, the yep, Crimson Guard here. Basketball, are, Damodar's mm-hmm. dungeon, a full arcade. Yeah. The, the, the Crimson Guard. <laughs> all the, are they, all by, the football games are on the big TV where they have the three color projector. Uh-huh. And at Damodar's Dungeon. Yeah, and if you get enough tickets, you can get the Eye of the Dragon Ruby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, but you or need your a lot back. of tickets. You need a yeah, lot of tickets. That's a fuckload of tickets. Yeah, you're going there every weekend. Um, yeah, okay. they serve the pizza on, on tin plates. <laughs> uh, that look like, look like <laughs> little shields. Yeah. I like yeah, them. Like those, uh, yeah, yes, at Damodar's Dungeon, each table gets complimentary popcorn baskets. Uh, Damodar, are they. Bottomless popcorn baskets? Well, the baskets have bottoms or the popcorn would spill. But yes, you do get free unlimited refills. <laughs> Damodar's wow, got a little sense of like, humor. Da- yeah, Damodar's yeah. like the host. He's a nice guy. Does he, yeah, does his, he wait all the his, tables? It's his place and he likes to drop in and like kind of mingle with the crowd and play and with the kids. That makes sense. Like you know? COVID's so hard right now. It's so hard to find staff. It makes well, sense that yeah. Damodar is Yeah, well, the weird this. thing is that he wants people like that's Damodar. He owns the place, but at the front, instead of a celebrity picture, he has his headshot signed, and it says, "I love my restaurant, <laughs> Damodar." And it's like uh-huh. it's not that impressive to get your own picture on there. Yeah, and know? everyone's like, he doesn't even have a picture of Profion, and like, because Profion didn't give him one. <laughs> Profion's never been no. there. No, and um, that's okay. the Damodar will tell you that he didn't ask, but you know he asked, and Profion yeah, just didn't. Of course, just he asked. yeah. Um. Okay, so uh, the Crimson Brigade here are backed up by a few beholders who kind of are like floating watchdogs. Um, 
And, and they never, uh, but they never fight the heroes, which I kept waiting for it. They, they never just, fight the heroes. Sorry. So Snails and Ridley sneak in and Elwood's like, fuck yeah, let's get in there. And Norda's like, nope. <laughs> for whatever <laughs> reason, this is their quest by themselves. Yeah. Again, very strange choice. Uh, okay. They explore the dungeons. Uh, Snails gets caught in a rug quicksand trap and is attacked by Damodar. I yeah, thought this, this was, was cool. This was a cool was practical a effect. And, yeah. and well, it, uh, I mean, that, and that it pit that delicious. they made was actually full of oatmeal. Yeah, it looks yeah. delicious. Well, they fit. used oatmeal. And then they uh, they flocked to the top of it and then I guess uh, like airbrushed it. Now, now, Adam, if you, if you expected that... Uh, <laughs> My eyes would pop out of my head and my my steam would shoot out of my ears at that revelation. Uh, you would be incorrect because while this this effect, I agree, looks cool at the beginning when they step into a thing that uh-huh. looks like a rug. Yeah, by right. the end, you can tell that Marlon Wayne's is floating in a bunch of oatmeal. Well, what happened was Dan was Dan was eating a bowl of oatmeal while watching the scene, and he kept looking down and looking at his spoon, and he's like, "Son of a." Bitch. <laughs> and, goes, they and then Dan couldn't. Dan pushed away. He goes, "What if there's a tiny Marlon Wayans in there?" And he pushes it away. I can't risk it. Pushes him. it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't risk it. After enjoying his work and requiem for a dream, I, I, too much, I much can't. Wayans brothers were already a limited resource as it is. I can't yeah. endanger it further. Uh, uh, there's I, a, there's a new this, generation, Elliot. That's true. Uh, Marlon does, he does get to spend a lot of time wandering around picking up props and riffing on them. It's and great. it is, it goes on for a while. <laughs> it goes on forever. And um, this is the scene too where when Damodar comes in, he delivers my favorite line. I had to write it down. Just like you thieves, always taking things that don't belong to you. <laughs> like, yep, that's what a thief it's is. Great. Yeah. Webster oh, yeah, defines no, no, you as no shit. Well, <laughs> there are a lot of very dumb lines in this. I, 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 you're making me recall earlier when they're going through the maze and people are like betting on them, and and like Marina's like, I can't believe they're betting like they're betting on how, how long, long he'll stay alive. And, and he goes. No, my dear, they're betting on how long it will take him to die. And I'm like, those are the same thing in this <laughs> scenario. <laughs> it's a real glass, half full, glass, half empty type, type situation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's a certain pessimism that infuses the Thieves Guild of Antius. Um, okay, so uh, meanwhile, Ridley finds Marina and they fight their way through some guards. Ridley does a lot of spinning around, swinging that beautiful sword we mentioned before. Uh, Marina hits dudes with a, uh, a flaming brand. And then uh, he gets in a fight with one bigger guard than normal. Uh, Snails uh, manages to briefly escape from Damodar. He goes running outside. Perfect place for a little wrestling match uh, where they uh, basically Damodar doesn't really have a weapon for a while. He just kind of like bats him aside with (laughs) uh, his his like his like styrofoam armor. Ridley and Marina show up just in time for Damodar to best Snails. And they try and do an they try and do an exchange. Snails throws them the scroll and gets stabbed in the back and then thrown off the top of the tower. So Snails X'd out. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Unless we somebody's got a wish spell. <clears throat> uh Ridley briefly fights Damodar. It was, a real, it was a real snail fail when he tried to yeah, go after yeah, Damodar. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's what the DVD <laughs> chapter title was, the snail fail. <laughs> snail fail. <laughs> oh, that was that's a job that 
I wish it, 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 there was this brief gl- shining moment when it was someone's job to name the chapters of movies for the yeah. DVDs. And yeah. I was wondering who did that? Was it just somebody who was working on the box? Did they go to the director or the screenwriter and say, look, uh, I know it's weird for you to think of every scene in this as having its own title, but can you do that right now? <laughs> you, and now it doesn't exist anymore because people don't use, they don't make, yeah. you know, they don't make DVDs at the same volume that they once did, you know? Ooh, okay. Uh, so Damodar has uh, bested. Uh, Damodar manages to get. Uh, he stabs Ridley. Wait, I have one think- more question, guys. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, why yeah. do you think they? Why do you think they started titling the chapters when they could have just had numbers? Because no one expects the parts of a movie to have titles. Like, I mean, it gives you some indication. It gives you some indication where before, you left off. You know, you can skip uh, to the thing you like. You know, I guess like, you can skip uh, to the part you want. You skip to the part where Dalton explains, you know, be nice. Yeah, that's the chapter title. It's also (laughs) so that like, like when you're, uh, when you're, when you're flipping through the menu with your friends and you see a scene that you remember, you're like, oh, that's what they named it. They named it Snail Fail. They did it. It's like they, but it's like they thought they were like, okay, from now on, movies are like songs. We're not watching the whole thing all the way through. We're just going to our favorite scenes and we make and make a playlist of scenes from different movies. Yeah, let me just put my DVD player on shuffle and see what scenes pop up. Well, you have kids, Elliot. Isn't that the way your kids watch movies anyway? Yeah, my my kid only just watches the same scene over and over again. That's there's a lot of watching the same scene too, over and over again, it's... skipping between. Yeah, <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. So, it's usually so these short watches, films I find on the uh, internet. It's just who watches the first thirteen minutes of the same scenes over and over again? It never gets the ending though. <laughs> Yeah. Well, to be uh, honest, Stuart watches the first like six minutes, and he knows that minutes seven through thirty are pretty much the same thing in different positions. Just, and then he watches right the skip button. Skip, so he just yeah until he gets to the last like forty five seconds. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mainly because I like the funny faces they make. <laughs> and that movie we're talking about is, of course, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Now let's move on. So, um, uh, Damodar is super excited. He's managed to save the day. Uh, but before he can kill Ridley, he gets blasted by some wizard powder from Marina. So he just opens a portal and he bounces. He's super excited. Um, okay. Marina and Ridley escape using another batch of portal dust. Uh, we get a a fun zoom in on snail's dead body uh, lying in ruins (laughs) at the bottom of a cliff. Uh, for a second, I thought he was going to get up, but no, he's, he's dead. Um, it's really just to hammer that home. Meanwhile, Maybe that was the zombie zoo part that got yeah, cut from the that film. Yeah, that would make sense because uh, a snail is an animal. Uh, okay. <laughs> you would see a snail in a zoo depending on the zoo. True. I guess. The, at, Maybe. Go to the Los Angeles Zoo. I bet you there's at least one snail in the lair that's the living, uh, what is it, living amphibians, invertebrates, and reptiles house. Uh, um, come on like down. Sounds like the place i out. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So Let's meanwhile – Meanwhile, the Empress is attempting <laughs> let's, you to... You know, guys, let's stop and go there right now. <laughs> you know, let's do it. I think yeah. it's a good idea. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the Empress is attempting to end the class divisions between commoners and mages by appealing to the Council of Mages. Seems like a bad idea, but that's Congress for you. Um, Profion, however, <laughs> just keeps showing up and pointing out and uh, calling her an evil tyrant, basically being a jerk, uh, a lot of bad faith arguments. Uh, and she storms off. And so we are left with the feeling that there is definitely going to be a civil war between the mages and people that are loyal to the Empress. Luckily, the Empress has gold dragons, which are unstoppable, super powerful, super smart wizard dragons. Right, Adam? Yeah, that's in my estimation, yeah. 
Okay, so it's going to be an easy fight. We'll see what happens. Um, they keep talking. Maybe it's a show of how bad the class divisions are in the in the world. Is that they keep talking about a civil war, and it's really just a war between the like thirty mages and the empress and her dragons, and nobody else seems to be involved except I assume they're getting crushed by dragon bodies as they fall from yep. the sky. And and, Crush and, like, and then they swarm. Yeah, then they swarm the dragon body to get the delicious dragon meat. Um, oh, okay, know it. <clears throat> so, oh, so take, in D and D, can you? What happens in D and D if you eat a dragon? You become a dragon. Yeah, really? Is that what happens? I, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up now. <laughs> oh, okay. Nope. Ellie would have believed it. I mean, um, I had a new retirement plan briefly, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. and then. <laughs> if you ate a whole dragon, you'd probably die. You would like, never eat a whole dragon, Dan. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's well, you ask me insane. what if you eat a dragon. Well, I don't saying. know. Here, am I allowed to freeze it and eat it over time? Like a wedding hard, cake, though, you can it, eat that for years. I, I mean, if it's gonna, blood I sets things on fire, I'm guessing it's hard to get it down to freezing temperature. Yeah. Well, that's why you would do it kosher style. You drain all the blood unless first. You gotta, you make, unless you got a white dragon. You make dragon. sure rabbi's there. The what? Unless you got a white dragon to breathe its frost breath on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, also, so get a white dragon. Or just eat yeah. the white dragon. I mean, cut out the middleman. Yeah, let's cut out the middleman. That's, that's, that, that's a very that's good actually, thinking, Adam. Oh, okay, yeah, that's better. You'd probably need to yeah. cure it in some way Is it to sick? preserve it back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't want to eat well, a sick you need dragon. A salt, you need a salt dragon to breathe its salt breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. you dragon. need a dry brine or a wet brine dragon to, to breathe it, to breathe its, its brine and then a, breath a all over. a Cajun spice dragon just to... Oh, oh that's wow. Sounds yeah. Like a Chipotle dragon? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, I guarantee that'll be delicious. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you, it, you get... You get a Paul Prudhomme dragon. Now they, mm-hmm. of course, they they go around in those little carts. But yeah, the uh, Paul Prudhomme dragon, dragon is the good version of the of the spicy dragon. Yeah. Whereas Doctor John would be the evil version. <laughs> Not <laughs> really mistakenly. Don't get a Dom DeLuise dragon by mistake. They're very no, easy to get. Very that's, similar. That's, then a Burt Reynolds dragon is just going to slap it a lot of times. And you don't want to <laughs> yeah, see yeah. that. That's not fun. Now, I, I have a question, that. guys. That's I have a question that's uh, kind of related <laughs> to this because you mentioned Dr. John. Uh, do you think Captain Hook and Dr. Hook still talk because they're brothers or are they estranged? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they. I'm sure they talk. I'm, I bet they're, yeah, I mean, I bet there's quite a bit of rivalry because they both insist on being called by their title as opposed to their first names. Yeah, that's fair. Now, the Blues Travelers on the Hook, which hook is that about? Captain Hook or Dr. Hook? Uh, it, the one that brings you back. So which <laughs> okay. one is that? So Captain Hook, because he has a boat. Okay. That's true. Yeah. He does have a boat. Okay. So they take Ridley to the elves. Uh, <laughs> he's been mortally wounded, or so you think, because the elves are going to Heal him with magic. They don't use magic. No, no, no. We get a lecture on how dragons, magic, life, all that shit's connected. It's mm-hmm. uh, It binds us. It's the force, et cetera, et cetera. And did um, you catch who was playing that elf giving that very pretentious, condescending sermon about magic? Oh, is this yeah, where— Yeah, I caught it. But what was his name? What's his fate? That's Doctor right. Who? Or the That's Doctor Tom Baker, Doctor. The, the famous bescarved doctor from Doctor Who, Tom Baker, yeah. as no, a— a really smug elf, just a smug old elf with his little elf ears I, being, we don't use spells because we're so in tune with magic. Everybody is except humans, you losers. Anyway, <laughs> goodbye now. It's just, I feel like smug is like part of the the like racial traits of elves, right? I mean, I didn't say it. I don't want to get canceled. 
Uh, I'm I'm comfortable with that elves can cancel me. Um, okay. Okay. So here's uh, another question, Stuart. Uh, what the character Smog in uh, in the Hobbit, the dragon? Yep. What if he was called <laughs> Smug, and instead of like breathing fire, he was just kind of like a dick? You know, he just really full mm-hmm. of himself. You know, Benedict Cumberbatch surprisingly would be also very good at that. Game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the, right. He could do that role. That, yeah. The way that Stuart's face perked up as soon as you introduced a question about <laughs> Smog, and you know, to his credit. As soon as it was clear that it was not a genuine question about smog, <laughs> he, it didn't really. His face didn't fall. He still got to talk about smog. Yeah, yeah. He was so happy either way. Now I have, mm. I do have a real question about smog. He's got all those jewels all over his tummy, and that's yeah. why that archer has to find the one spot where he doesn't have one. Uh, did he Bowman, do that? Yeah. On, yeah. Did, did he find that? Did he do that on purpose, or is it just because he's always lying on top of those jewels? He's, he's got a, he's got a bedazzler. He's got like a really big bedazzler. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, is that what it is? Yeah. He goes, you know how it is. You start with a little bit and you just can't stop. Well, Next yeah. I mean, he yeah. started with a denim belly. jacket and then he looked at that like, that's <laughs> nice. And maybe I'm just mm-hmm. going to go ahead and do that on my tummy. Do my skin. <laughs> Why can't I be like that all the time? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, it hurts for a while, but yeah. it's worth it. And like <laughs> you're, the first couple, you get on Etsy, you know, it's it seems normal, and then after a while, you're just you got jewels all over you. It makes you know. yeah. I might as well just dejazzle myself. That's mm-hmm. when a dragon put, uh, puts gems all over themselves. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Ridley obviously super bummed. His boy Snails is dead. So Marina is like. I'm going to lecture you a little bit, then we'll make out, which they do. Uh, Did anyone else wh- think that the elf place, it was basically just Endor? Yeah. Yeah, it was like It Endor, just looks right? like they took a picture of a background from Return of the Jedi, and that's where they're hanging out at night when they talk. <laughs> uh, later on, they, like, wander out of the elf place, and we see two, like, elf guards <laughs> that have super weird, like, half masks <laughs> made know, out of bones. They look so frightening. They, they walk cool, right out yeah. of yellow jackets. Very weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was very cool. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, who's going to play them when they're older? <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> The same so, people. They live for hundreds of years. Oh, right. Just like yeah. in the Yellow Jackets. Um, yep. Okay. Uh, what, if, whole- what if, wait. Okay, guys, hold on. Season <laughs> yeah, yeah, two yeah, Yellow sure, Jackets. Hear my pitch. Okay, yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's, a, there's a jump. It turns out whatever happened to them in the forest, they're immortal now. So we do jump 300 years in the future. And right. it's they're now, they still haven't told anyone their secrets, but they're on mm-hmm. the run even more because- uh, now people want the secret of eternal life from them. So that's oh, my pitch. Oh, okay, yeah. It's like Do a you think Tuck should... Everlasting type thing? Exactly, exactly. Tuck Everlasting, uh, and th- so, but meets, um, you know, Yellow Jackets, which, and I, and I call <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the pitch is great, Ellie. You're doing a good job. Yeah. Okay, uh, that sounds great. Uh, anyway, so uh, okay. I don't. Do I, and I, well, do I have to give you money? What? Am, what, what yeah, are you I, I mean, I'm saying, will you hire me now to do that second season of Yellow Jackets? All I have so far is it's Tuck Everlasting, but Yellow Jackets. Does that work? Now the Tuck, the Tuck that died. How did, how did, uh, how did that end up happening? Like, because eventually, or or. I think uh, Christopher Lambert chopped his head off. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only way it can happen. Yeah. Or do they just leave town once it? Becomes clear that they're immortal. I, yeah, I, I that's tough ever leaving. Yeah, they bounce. Okay, because yeah. I because yeah. you know. All right. Well, then I won't make a joke about the cause of death being an everlasting tuck stopper. Let's uh, move along. <laughs> okay. So uh, as they when they leave the uh, meanwhile, a, Dan, I that- thank you for your restraint and not making the joke. I <laughs> sure. appreciate that. When when you found that it was welcome. uncalled for due to the logic of the original property, you didn't yeah. make the joke, and I really I really appreciate. But you let us you made sure well, that we knew you weren't, which I also that's, appreciate. That's yeah. truth and comedy. That's integrity. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what a comedian is for. Yeah, to tell the yeah. uncomfortable truths about Tuck. <laughs>
Uh, so <laughs> Marina and Ridley uh, have a little emotional argument followed by a hookup. <laughs> That mischievous imp that we've come to love as watching the whole thing, and he's reporting back mm-hmm. to his boss, Damodar. So, um, what do you think he's reporting back to Damodar that that they're macking? Like, they're, yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. information like, does he have? He's like, you haven't crushed their spirits entirely, master. You gotta see this. It's hot. <laughs> you gotta see it. <laughs> Gives them a real play by play. And Damodar's like Ridley and Marina. Never but would have never expected last. it. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. outrageous. Tell me this more. Because Ridley, just Ridley because of hates the situation. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, guys, so, is this is it is it offensive of me? And maybe yeah. this is something Alex should yes. cut out. That I assumed uh-huh. I assumed Damodar was gay the entire time. Not in a not in any negative way, but just be, maybe because he reminded me so much of Rob Halford. I just assumed this character is gay, and I liked that about him. I mean, I don't know if I would say it's wrong of you, but also I can't. Uh, I don't yeah, think I can be the, uh, the situation. Yeah. I can't okay. really be well, the Well, stick I, my I head in that cannon you. and shoot it all the way to <laughs> shoot it all the way to where it needs to go to make that happen. So <laughs> Okay, so we leave. Ridley gets uh the elves give Ridley a new sword. We talked about it is slightly nicer though, right? I mean it's, it's nicer, but I mean the other his original sword should have been a real piece of shit. Yeah. Um, it was not as big a step up as you'd think for a sword that magic elves give to him. Yeah. Now, luckily, we now have an adventuring party, right? We got a wizard, we got a rogue, we got a dwarf fighter, and we have an elf ranger. Perfect. Let's go to our first dungeon. As soon as they get there, only Ridley's able to go. There's a wall of force preventing the others. It's pretty weird. I guess we'll roll with it. Again, we split yeah. the party. Um, Ridley wanders around for a little bit before going down a slide and coming to a cool <laughs> dragon door. He sticks the eye of the dragon in the door. The door opens. Hooray. He goes in there again, filled with treasure. He thinks about stealing it for a second to honor his boy snails, but then he decides, you know what? I'm going to leave this shit. Over yeah. in the corner, there's a skeleton holding the, what is that? The rod of Savreel? Hell yeah, it is. That skeleton starts talking to him. Turns out that skeleton is Savreel. And he's like, yo, yeah. Whoever uses this thing, bad shit's going to happen to him. And I love this skeleton because the skeleton is just yes. like a puppet that talks to this <laughs> man. And then as soon I mean, as like he imparts as much exposition about this uh, rod as, as mm-hmm. he needs to, his head just sort of like slows down. <laughs> yeah. Like the puppeteer has clearly dropped the head. <laughs> this, is the, this is a Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride level talking yeah. skeleton. And yeah. he's maybe my third favorite character in the movie. Yeah, after... After, I think, uh, after Xylus and Damodar, I think. Oh, no, Profion's on there, too. Look, okay, let's just say— You can have let's four just favorites. Say, yeah, well, I mean, at number one, let's just say overdramatic Englishman. That's just number one at the top. Mm-hmm. And then number two will be this skeleton. And then number three would be, I guess, the imp that's always laughing, because at least he's yeah. enjoying it. He's having yeah. a good time. Uh, Adam, who are your three favorite characters in the movie at this point? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, definitely. I'm not even going to say Profion because I'm not even 100% sure that I have his name right. But Jeremy Irons is my favorite <laughs> character in mm-hmm. in the movie, and I liked Zylus. Um Yeah, that didn't. That the movie didn't give me a whole lot more to work with. I'm going to say so, Elwood, three- of course, because Elwood's a dwarf. <laughs> I like Nordic because Nordic's an elf, and I like snails because <laughs> because he was uh, he's dead and when characters are dead they loom larger in your imagination yeah, yeah, mm, that's yeah, true yeah. yeah like Uncle Ben yeah sure uh, the the Uncle Ben from Spider-Man not Uncle Ben the rice mascot <laughs> who lives in the heart of, of, of pots everywhere uh, and by that I mean Annie Potts not like rice pots Annie Potts uh, and Dan what about you three favorite uh, characters I think that this guy's my favorite later on there's a uh, the sort of like a skeleton 
uh, a baby skeleton <laughs> oh, dragon who yep. like jumps yeah. onto Thor Birch and it's like cool. CGI and it's clearly just like a loop of the same CGI <laughs> movements. Dan, are you describing <laughs> the one. the thing that Wikipedia dis- defines as powerful magics? Yeah, it could be. <laughs> In the plot, I, I like, like that one. So, so to, so to in re, so in summary, uh, all of our all the of skeletons, the, all the <laughs> skeletons, and of two of the people asked this question, who are your three favorite characters? Two of them could only mention two characters. They failed <laughs> to even come up with three that reached yeah, yeah, yeah. the list. So, yep. yeah. So, um, he gets the rod of Sabriel. It looks pretty cool. I, I want to um, talk about how this rod looks. I, what, okay, yeah, what, are, what are your thoughts about the look of the rod of Sabriel? Because I think it looks like H.R. Giger designed a back massager. It does look like I mean, that. I mean, that only sounds good to me. I can't. I, I imagine it would it would the, pummel my back into relaxation with kind of mechanoid penises. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. various yeah. rods in this movie all kind of look similar to uh, what Loki carries around in the Avengers, but you know, obviously on a uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, movie budget. Um, yeah, this one, this, I have to say, this Rod of Surreal, I imagine something more Rod-like. And yeah, yeah, more, yeah, like, yeah. more like a bad dragon sex toy. <laughs> yeah, more like a Batleth. You know what? It looks like a combination of a Klingon Batleth and that that uh, blade codpiece from Seven that uh, that Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. has commissioned. Because, of course, they don't mass produce those. And then and strapped on the, to the poor Leland Orser. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's and it's so when it showed up, I was they were like the rod of Sirfield. I'm like, is that really a rod? I don't know if I'd call that a rod. It's like kind of, maybe it's a it's not even really a staff. Like it was I got thrown off by that. It's poor also, terminology <laughs> on my in in my opinion. Earlier on there was like a you know a line that that's you know, I saw it in the closed caption cuz I have to have old ears and put the closed captioning on and it said like what does this rod do and i just find it very i, I was laughing at it and audrey's like what are you laughing at i had found it very hard to explain because it's not really that funny but something about this fantasy world putting so much weight on on the word rod <laughs> as like <laughs> it just seems like the most low rent way to describe yeah. it yeah yeah Staff it is a- nice yeah 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 Considering Stick. considering everyone else gets kind of a silly fantasy name, that this is just a rod is yeah, yeah is a bit is a bit much. A rod you know. that looks like it could go in little. the dishwasher if it gets dirty. <laughs> yeah, it does. yeah, it looks. I mean, top, well, top shelf. It looks like it go in the top rack. Bottom rack might be a little dangerous for yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, so so Dan, uh, what would you Dan? What would you have called it? Let's let's play the game that I like to call Dan on the spot improv. Dan, what would you have called? It's also the name of the segment is also Doctor Dan Movie Fixer. Dan, what would you prescribe as a new Doctor Dan as a new name for the Rod of Surreal? I, I well, staff would have been acceptable, but also like, why don't you do like a scepter scepter of Surreal? Oh yeah, yeah, and scepter that's, of that's Red Dragon Control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Ridley takes, despite the warnings of the skeleton, he takes the rod, uh, and then he looks over and he sees a pretty badass painting on the wall. Adam, you're a professional artist. How would you describe the <laughs> the badass uh, mural that's been painted on the wall of this treasure room? I guess I would lose the ass part of it and just refer to the painting as kind of bad. Oh, <laughs> wow. Is it because some of the dragons look like they have six packs? I'm kind of into that. <laughs> I, I, there, there were so many D&D artists in 2000 that would have made you an amazing mural, probably for free. 
because yeah. even though, I mean, doing art for D&D and Dungeons and, and, and Magic the Gathering and stuff like that, I always enjoyed it, but there was always uh-huh. a sense in, in my mind that like, okay, this is what I'm doing for a living right now until I can get to write and illustrate children's books, which I can't seem to break into. It took me several years. <laughs> and Until I can get into fine art uh, dragon painting. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, to, to get a commission from the Medicis to paint the portrait of their dragon, yeah. But being in that world and knowing a lot of D&D artists, I knew that a lot of them were doing what they had dreamed that they would do since they were five years old. Mm-hmm. And and so I was a little offended that they hadn't gotten just the top-of-the-line D&D illustrator at the time to just really do it up for them. The mural kind of looks like the mural that the owner of an Italian restaurant would get their like nephew to paint, <laughs> yes. where they're like, I want Tony Soprano, the Joker, <laughs> Scarface. I want all the hanging out on the table together. <laughs> Put a second Joker in there, but not the Jared Leto one. <laughs> no, no, no. And they got to be, la- they gotta be having a fucking ball. And you know, there's and up in the clouds, there's angels looking down, and those are my kids' faces on the angels. Yeah, I know it implies that my kids are dead, but it's not. It's because I love them so much that they're yeah, angels. They're yeah. angels. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, and then of course uh, after- I want I, and then a and then and and then a rod as a centaur. You got to have that in there also. <laughs> yeah, you got to get Derek Jeter in yeah, there. But he's got mid swing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's because they, they looked in the rule book and they said nothing that says a centaur can't play. Now, Dan, uh, you've you've uh, gone on the record as disliking the word rod. What would you call a rod then? A staff, <laughs> a scepter. It doesn't make sense. His a name's wand. not Alex Staff Riguez. You know. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> I don't think that this. I don't think I said that this is a rule that has to be applied equally across all media and okay, types of people. And uh, okay. although the, yeah. the word so, "rod," I think that a big part of the, my problem with it is it always reminds me of The Simpsons in not one but two ways. Number one, the inanimate garbage rod, and number yeah, two, in rod, rod, of rod and Todd. Because <laughs> uh, I kept thinking of Rowdy Roddy Piper. And started thinking about what are, what would a Rowdy Roddy Piper have control over? What kind of dragons? And it would have made even more sense if there were zombies, since in They Live, the aliens look like zombies. But, you yeah. know. Okay, happen, so uh, after staring at this harrowing scene painted across the treasure room wall, we <laughs> Which, cut What was it trying to, to communicate? Just that dragons are trouble? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. We cut to uh, the skies above Sumdal, where a civil war is raging between... Thora Birch's army of gold dragons and the council of mages who are atop the what tower of mages wizard tower. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. Uh, and there's it's, a it's lot the, of it's like the, fire it's the mage and, business center, mage international business center. Yeah. Th- they fire a giant ballista bolt through one of the gold dragons who falls and then gets, uh, <laughs> after getting shot falls and gets speared through its stomach by, uh, the, what the, the peak of a building. It's Thora fire. Birch rides a dragon around, right? Would you call her, a mother of dragons, Stuart? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, she does have, she does do this cool thing mm. similar to that one JLo look from uh, the Met Gala <laughs> where she has uh, like a chainmail coif uh, over her head. It's, yeah, yeah. it's dope mm-hmm. it, because it kind of mm-hmm. makes it look like her hair is armor. It's really sick. Um, but she doesn't ride a dragon yet. She waits till things get a little bit hairier. Um, and Jeremy Irons right now is fucking, he's flipping out. He's having a great <laughs> oh. time. I was worried he was going to give himself a stroke or an aneurysm or something. He is he is projecting so so hard through his well, face. So. You, I mean, the level of professionalism that the man brings to this thing, which he must have 
you know, sensed uh, as as being Jeremy Irons was a disaster is is admirable because he's you know like he only is in a few scenes, but he is really doing primo yeah. villain yelling. Yeah. I assume I, that he signed on because he thought they were adapting Jane Austen's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But then <laughs> later I learned that it was actually because he had just recently bought a castle and he really really needed mm-hmm. money. Yeah, that was his <laughs> quote on it. He. Mm-hmm. If he, he was like, I, I just bought a castle. I better get some experience with dungeons before I move in. So mm-hmm. I'll take this role. And who knows? Once you get a uh, castle, the dragons just start showing up at your door. <laughs> I mean, the real trouble was he thought he bought a castle. And we went. It was just a DVD box set of Castle starring Nathan Fillion. Oh, and he was mm-hmm. like, I can't live in this. Oh, I sold a, my house. Yeah, I can't move into show, a DVD set. Yeah. He was like, this is likable, but yeah. He, mm-hmm. Well, he tried to make a little hut out of the DVD boxes, and he, he would lull himself to sleep by looking up at them and reading the chapter titles for each of the episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he, he later referred to it as maybe the best time of his life, you know, because yeah. he really figured out what, what, what he needed in his life, which was mm-hmm. shelter that, that would be <laughs> like a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, but he's, I always wonder with roles like this, are they, is an actor like Jeremy Irons enjoying it? Like, I feel like if you're doing this role, you're being an evil wizard in a kind of a garbagey movie. You have as much, I assume the fun part would be to do it as big as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I was wondering if, if it's like, is he enjoying doing that? If you asked him afterwards, would he be like, <laughs> or would he be like, ugh, ugh, I'm just trying well, to keep it alive. I you remember know? years ago when, when this movie first came out on DVD, I remember renting it and watching all the special features and there's definitely like a making of featurette where you see Jeremy Irons doing one of these big scenes. And then literally as soon as they cut, he like drops entirely and storms off. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I guess that answers that question. Uh, so you don't great. have one of those interviews where he's like, Profion is a character who is drawn to power. <laughs> like I always love when you, you I watch the I interviews. I don't see with Profion as a villain. No. <laughs> no it, it, from Profion's point of view, Izmir needs order and needs a hierarchy. There's whenever I've talked about this in the podcast before that my favorite thing when they make a comic book movie is watching the interviews where actors who are not familiar with the comic books until they read them to prepare for this role have to talk about their understanding of like who Rogue is or like who, you know, who, you know, Mm -hmm. Storm is a powerful character. She's one with the elements. I think that's, I always think that's really funny. So anyway. Okay. So uh, back to Ridley. He leaves the dungeon only to find that Damodar has arrived thanks to his mischievous little imp friend. Uh, And Damodar has captured the adventuring party and they make yet another deal for for stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He... Gives Damodar the Rod of Savriel. Damodar bounces. We get a brief brawl where our heroes uh, do some flipping and kicking. Norda, in particular, seems very good at doing those things. She should be involved in more of the fights. Not going to happen. Okay, so Damodar goes through a portal, quickly followed by Ridley. Okay, we're in the end game here, guys. Meanwhile... Thora Birch is now riding on the back of a gold dragon, and Profion uses the rod Mm -hmm. given to him by Damodar to summon his own army of red dragons. So now gold dragons are like the good version of red dragons. Gold dragons breathe fire, so do red dragons. Just to clear that up in case you guys weren't familiar. Wait, I don't understand how that makes gold dragons the good version of that they both breathe fire. But they're like, if you you use uh, an ability, like maybe you're a cleric or something, and it gave you the ability to detect alignment, the alignment of the gold dragon would be 
would be good. It wouldn't so be evil. Okay. as he breathes fire on you, you could be like, oh, they, they must have a good yeah, reason. Yeah, must this. have. A good reason. <laughs> yeah, he, you know what? He's in the right here. Maybe, it, maybe it, I'm the baddie. Yeah. I just, I, I, I thought it was strange the way you said it. It was like if you were like sharks. You said dolphins are the good version of whales. They both have blowholes. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, they, just because they share a feature doesn't mean one is good and one is evil. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not a, it's not a quality. It's more of a like an ethical thing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so <laughs> now both both possums and uh, both possums <laughs> and koalas are marsupials. Koalas, of course, are the good and possums good the version. evil. <laughs> yeah, I mean all, that's all arguably not wrong. <laughs> like yeah. if you look at those creatures, uh, okay. Um, no, no. Here's the thing: koalas. It's this is the classic story because koalas look cute, but they are jerks. Whereas possums yeah. look like horrible little rat monsters, and they are very loving. Okay, uh, cool. So if there's any possums listening. Elliot's down. You guys should hang out. Um, yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to yeah. apologize. But, uh, no, apparently no, I'm not going to apologize. Fuck that. Hook up Elliot with Stuart's, some possums. If, if there are any Cancel possums me. listening, I don't go. I don't care. <laughs> go. If there are any possums listening, go to Elliot because Stuart doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. The doctor is out. Um, okay, so but those now, possums need medicine, Stuart. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, I do want to point out that uh, when Damodar has our heroes captured. And he requires Ridley to give him the rod. As soon as he gets the rod, he's like, eh, fuck it. Kill them all. You know, he breaks the deal. There's been a lot of deal breaking. So that when Damodar then goes to see Profion and he's like, I found you the rod master. Now take this thing out of my head. I was like 100% sure Profion was going to be like, fuck that dork. But instead yeah. Profion's like, no, okay, that's cool. That's fair. I'm, hey, I'm lawful evil. I'm not chaotic evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he removes the thing from Damodar's head, which is great because Ridley shows up. He and Damodar have a great sword fight, okay? And that's when we get to see that elf sword at work because when he swings it, we get a little bit of extra special effects, like yeah. a little bit of extra lasers and stuff. And I really enjoyed seeing uh, Jeremy Irons beat up our <laughs> lead because, again, in terms of charisma, uh, <laughs> Irons is a much more charismatic performer and, as we just saw, keeps his promises. So, you know. Yeah, yes, mm -hmm. exactly. At one point, Jeremy Irons casts a spell by just like blowing on one of the heroes. And I'm like, that's showmanship. Um, okay, so uh, Ridley fights Damodar. Uh, it, this fight goes a little bit differently than the last one because as I mentioned before, he does a flip, stabs Damodar in the back, pushes him off the tower where we watch him fall to his death. Um, the Then he gets in a fight with Profion. Uh, in the, as the scuffle goes on, our, our other heroes show up to try and stop Profion. He can, he beats them all. Uh, unfortunately in the process of beating up all of our heroes, he has lost the scepter or the rod scepter. <laughs> Even I'm confusing it. It's a, it's a rods too. He loses let's, let's the rod. Let's be honest which, with ourselves. Which it's Ridley, never going to be more than a rod. He loses the rod, which means that the child will be spoiled because <laughs> he will be spared. That's so Ridley works. picks up that rod and he <laughs> shatters it with his sword, which I feel like he should have done that as soon as they found it. Um, but he well, shatters it, the, which the... disrupts the army of red dragons and mm -hmm. allows Thora Birch to land at the council of, at the tower of mages. 
What if, what if the what if it instead of controlling Red Dragons, it just controlled the rights to the Thomas Harris novel Red Dragon? And so Jeremiah Profion's like, finally, I can do the job Brett Ratner screwed up. <laughs> Manhunter is good, but they didn't really have the resources they need to do it justice. And it's like, Season all right, three I mean, Manhunter is really good. pretty good too. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, yeah, 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 but they stretched it out too long. They stretched it out too long. Anyway, like I'm saying, I'm going to do the definitive adaptation of Red Dragon now that I have the rod of severe blah, blah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the empress shows up and at, at first we're like uh-oh now he's going to get it but instead profion uses powerful magics which is displayed by a computer generated skeleton dragon that like i guess starts like wrestling with <laughs> yeah, Thora Birch. It's, <laughs> it's pretty cool j- jumps on like like it wants a piggyback ride uh-huh. Yeah, I actually I thought it was I, it was one of those where I was like that wasn't what I expected. So I thought that <laughs> that looked kind of cool. That not not the magic I expected him to use. Um and then uh despite being bedeviled by magic skeletons, a gold dragon arrives to help and chomps down on Profion and our heroes win the day. They get cool level up outfits. Uh-huh. Uh they <laughs> are standing at the grave of snails. A, which is which a is, beautiful which is just monument. a cairn of stone. It's just a, it's just a it's just a easily toppled cairn. You, it's a very we, strange monument. We hear Thora Birch being like, "Now I pronounce everyone equal," which I laughed at because I I get why as Crazy. a political leader you have to make like an official pronouncement to 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 try and uh, usher in a more equitable society, but at the same time it it. The line makes it sound like, well, everything's good now. And I'm like, would that it were that easy? I don't think that an equitable society can just be wished into existence, Thora Birch. But, but thanks for trying. If, anyone, if anyone's yeah. bad, she'll just have the gold dragons eat them, Dan. I guess so. It's one of several moments near the end of the movie where you wonder why they didn't just get to it. Like, it really shows up. Profion is clearly the boss bad guy. And he's busy controlling these dragons. And Ridley goes, Damodar, and he starts fighting him. It's like, just go after Profion. <laughs> Damodar is small fish. You only need him to get to the big Damodar fish. Damodar like, killed come his on. friend snails, dude. It's true. Uh, yeah, but you could deal with that afterwards. And then when the when the dragon eats Profion, it's like, this could have happened 15 minutes ago. I don't <laughs> yeah, know why I, this, you know, he hasn't had those red dragons for a while now. Just eat him, you know. But, but we got to get into the great last scene, the, the scene that had me going, what? <laughs> yeah, so they're they're standing in the the graveyard. They're standing before again this this beautiful tombstone made for snails. Just a uh, pile of rocks. They're all in new upgraded outfits. Uh they've clearly gotten to another level. Oh. Uh, yep. Um okay. And, and Ridley they, is about to be knighted, he says. Mhm. Ridley's about to be knighted. Uh he places uh the eye of the dragon ruby onto the cairn of stones and he <laughs> like makes a wish or some shit. And then a little bit of magic happens and stale snail's name falls from the monument. And they're like, what? And the, the Norda, the elf is like, yeah, your friend's alive now. And so they all hold hands and then they turn into dust. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, <that's-> Norda literally <laughs> tells, tells Ridley and the audience not to question it. Like, I feel like her yeah, yeah. her skill in the movie is hand-waving. She tells Elwood earlier that, <laughs> no, you can't go in. This is something they must do on their own. And then later yep. on, it's like this, yes. don't do not question this gift. Just accept it. The movie's over now. Mm-hmm. And, this, and, well, guess, and this is a setup for, it was intended to be a trilogy, a trilogy that will never yeah. 
be real. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons 2, The Search for Snails. No, there were sequels. They go? Well, they, there were, did you there, guys know there, there were sequels? sequels? Oh, right, right. I knew there, there was, was a there was a like a direct-to-DVD one, right? There was a direct-to-TV sci-fi uh, sequel. And then I think uh, a third one that might have been direct-to-DVD. Um, but the only reoccurring character in the second one is Damodar. Ooh. Oh, Even though he was killed in this one. It's, it's revealed that uh, Profion it. um, made him an undying uh, you know, slave to him of, of some kind. And so Damodar cannot die and is, oh. is there in the second movie. Huh. Now, well. I've ne- I never saw the sequels. I, my friend Greg kept swearing to me. He's like, the first one wasn't good. second one's actually really good, dude. You should check it out. I never got around to it. Adam, I'm assuming based on the level of professionalism you've already displayed, <laughs> you've already watched these movies for yeah. this episode. I had to, obviously, in order to be able to, to do illustrations for Dungeons and Dragons. I had to consume everything. I watched the old cartoon. I watched the sequels. Yeah. I mean, even the even the character design doesn't look of a piece with the Wizards of the Coast uh, Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I feel like even by then, like people like Wayne Reynolds had done so much of the character design work that this doesn't look like that. This looks like, I feel like it looks like an earlier time of D&D, but not, it was not of a piece of of what they were putting out in the year 2000, which was kind of, I guess that was sort of my high time for when I was working with them. And they had a big old uh, style guide at the time, just hundreds of pages to showing you really like intricate details about how elf fashion should look different from human fashion should look different from dwarf fashion mm-hmm. and and uh it was all very thought out stuff that did not find its way into this movie at all yeah that's uh that's kind of what i was wondering from your standpoint like when you're watching something like this is it hard for you not to try and break it down and be like i would have designed this differently i mean obviously you're going to say you design all this stuff differently except yeah. for maybe thora birch's cool little thing at the end i like that um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I feel like it would be hard as an artist not to be like, why did they do it this way? Well, I mean, as an artist too, I, pretty much every shot I was like, hmm, that could, they should have composed that differently. They should have composed that differently. <laughs> yeah. So should have fit more magic items into that shot. It's I, the the aesthetic of the movie. I think I would describe as Halloween adventure. Uh, mm-hmm. that like, there's not that much. I feel like you couldn't get by just going to a pop up Halloween store and and just. But you know, loading up on their fantasy costume stuff. Oh, they yeah. definitely well, visited a spirit Halloween store at the beginning when they apparently just were tossing skulls into every corner <laughs> of uh, Profion's lair. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about the 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 Sedlak ossuary. Did, we didn't mention that, right? The oh yeah, that it was that part of it was shot in a real ossuary that's decorated this with is... skulls and skeletons everywhere in the Czech Republic. Yeah. yeah, I do want to say that like it's a the movie's aesthetic is a weird. Mix though in, in the sense of like, all the effects definitely look janky. Like the practical effects look silly. The CGI looks silly in the way that you know early CGI where you did not have a lot of resources looks goofy. But at the same time, like this was in effect an independent movie. The guy who directed yeah. it and wrote it like threw together all this funding and made special deals with. Uh, you know, the effects people to to do things on a budget. And so it's got this weird combo of like, well, it doesn't look good. <laughs> it all looks dumb. But at the same time, it all looks more impressive than you would expect for the budget that they had. Like, like there's a lot of 
it, it is a ambitious failure, I guess is the best way of putting it. And um, I think maybe some of it would have looked better if the director knew what he was doing lighting wise. Like there were scenes in it where I'm like, yeah. why did you do it this way? Where like, I remember there's a scene where Marlon Wayne's like, you know, uh, finds his mark to like pick up an important piece of things and it's him walking directly into a shadow that covers his face <laughs> rather than like maybe walking from the shadows to have his face illuminated. I mean, it's a small thing, but all of this like really cheap stuff also looked, I, I assume, all the worse because they didn't know how to hide how cheap yeah. it was. Yeah, it's fair. funny that you mentioned lighting because having watched the director commentary, I can tell you that it is... 90% talking about how each scene was difficult to light. <laughs> yeah. What well, are some of the reasons that it was difficult to light? Was it, I mean, partly because it was his first movie, I imagine. But, well, I don't know if well, it was the director of photography's first movie. I, I haven't looked that up. Oh, oh but, yeah. But, it was uh, the director's first movie, maybe not the, not the cruise, yeah. Some of it, uh, from, from what I, I gleaned, was that, you know, some of the practical like the real world settings that they were using in, in different parts of Prague uh, were just so large, you know, like they, the, right. the, the wizard's council scenes are set in an actual opera house that was difficult <laughs> to, to light apparently just because it was so big and had such intensely high ceilings. And um, the, there was a lot of talk about just the library and, and different places that they had found in Prague that were, difficult to to make look good i wonder if you go to an opera if there's like a little like plaque somewhere that's like as seen in the movie dungeons and dragons yeah probably well that's like it's it seems like maybe the 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 key mistake was that he used all of those resources to try and do something epic rather than just to be like okay what's a smaller version of a dungeons and dragon movie i can make and like scrounge and like make do it the smartest way like and but with like a smaller scale, yeah. I mean, I think he had. He, it sounds like he had had this story or something like it in his head for a long mm. time. Although I remember reading somewhere that he had written another script that was more budget conscious, but that the producers wanted him to use an earlier script or something. It was like a right. lawsuit I think, or something. I read this too that I don't understand law enough to to understand why a lawsuit would require you to use an earlier draft of the script. But that is what I read. Uh, at mm -hmm. one point, I think they were going to sort of turn it into a, a like a television thing, and but there was a provision that it was supposed to be an actual movie, movie, and that may have been why it had to inflate. It, it. does look like a television thing. Yeah, it, it does. And then, and but if you're right, they could have done a, a Dungeons and Dragons movie that is not epic in scope, but is about like an adventure party going through a dungeon. Going through a and, dungeon, yeah. I really wanted like, to, I mean, this kept on making me just wonder what a D&D &D movie, what makes a movie a D&D &D movie, and like what could it be and what should it be? And, you know, did they need to like Jumanji this up? That it was <laughs> actual Williams? players yeah, getting it would, it would, pulled into hurt. the world? Or, I don't know, what do you think? I, I think that the, I mean, part of it, it is hard because I was thinking about this while I was watching that like D&D &D is not, a property that has like beloved characters necessarily or like beloved storylines. Yeah. Like it's a world that you create your story and characters for. So it feels like you kind of want to, I guess like I was saying earlier, like incorporate some kind of plot that resembles the game mechanics. So it feels like an adaptation of yeah. what it's like to play the game. I mean, kids get people getting players being sucked into the game is essentially what the TV show was. The, the old cartoon. Yeah. That's true. And, the, like, and the like Kieran Gillen comic die is basically the same shit. Yeah. 
and that Tom Hanks uh, made for TV movie where he gets driven insane by role playing games. Uh, from the nineteen eighties, mazes, mazes and monsters, yeah, mazes and monsters, yeah. But I think like if you, there are so many kind of like old, not good barbarian movies where there's like a bar, they're very D and D type where it's like a barbarian going through dimly lit passageways fighting monsters, and there's usually like a girl he has to save and a treasure of some kind or a evil wizard to fight. I feel yeah, like if you did evil a wizard played good, by a Carradine. Yes, probably. Yeah. It's a, that, that was part of Italian law that you needed to get a carotene, uh to do it. The uh, it feels like there's a there's a like a higher budget version of that. And it was only while researching this movie after watching it that I found out that there is a new Dungeons and Dragons movie coming out like yes. this year, I think, and so, or next year. So it's we'll find out, I guess. What is a, Joe Manganiello in this one? I really hope so. That guy loves D and D so much. Uh, what, what what I read was that he was apparently a big force in trying to get it off the ground, but I don't know if he's actually in it. Chris Pine is listed as the – Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez are in it. Hugh Grant is listed as a star in it. You know he's going to play an evil wizard like that. He's, he's going to be perfect. I assume, you know. Um, Hot but, off of uh, Paddington too. I mean he's perfect. Yeah. And maybe Paddington will be in this movie. Maybe it will be a Paddington D&D crossover. But uh, they, there's talking bears in the D&D world, right? I know they're owl bears, right? Mm-hmm. Owl bears I don't think talk though. Unless you speak owlbear. All right. I don't. Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. Think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. Hey, kid. Your dad tell you about the time he broke Stephen Dorff's nose at the Kids' Choice Awards? In Dead Pilot Society, scripts that were developed by studios and networks but were never produced are given the table reads they deserve. When I was a kid, I had to spend my Christmas break filming a PSA about angel dust. So yeah, being a kid sucks sometimes. Presented by Andrew Reich and Ben Blacker. Dead Pilot Society, twice a month on MaximumFun.org. You know, the show you like, that hobo with the scarf who lives in a magic dumpster. (laughs) Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, The Flop House is supported by listeners like you, but we also have some beautiful advertisers uh, in this uh, episode. One of them is Squarespace. They let you create a beautiful new website. Turn your cool idea into a new website with Squarespace, blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, and more. You can do this with Squarespace because Squarespace gives you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers with everything optimi- optimized Sorry for mobile right out of the box. I'll slow it down so it sounds like this. A new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions. Free and secure hosting. Why not go over to squarespace.com slash flop 
for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, this podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Uh, we talk about therapy a lot, and one of the big obstacles with uh, mental health in general is that people view therapy as something to look to when they are having trouble. And it's important to consider uh, seeing a therapist uh, as a form of maintenance, maybe before you're in a rough spot. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think I'm like many people where I had been relying on a lot of different coping mechanisms in my life. And when the pandemic hit, a lot of those coping mechanisms either kind of went away or uh, they just became overburdened. <laughs> and uh, seeing a therapist online has been really helpful for me to kind of get myself centered again. Um, and that's what, uh, that's the type of thing that BetterHelp offers. It's, uh, customized online therapy that offers video phone or live chat sessions with your therapist. Uh, that type of thing is very convenient for me because I, uh, like having to physically go somewhere to, is another obstacle for me with therapy. I like being able to just, uh, be in a comfortable place to speak with a mental health professional. Um, and, uh, yeah. So why don't you give it a try and see why over 2 million people, uh, have used better, better help online therapy. Uh, so the podcast, this one, the one you're listening to right now is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Flophouse listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash flop. That's B E T T E R H E L P.com slash flop F L O P baby. <laughs> but not, but baby is not part of the no don't, the URL don't, right. Don't put the baby in. Yeah, no, no, don't throw take the baby, that baby out. out yep, with the bath save water the baby. Either. Don't put it in a corner. Nobody should do that. No, yeah. like let All me just do a things. PSA: Nobody should put a baby in a corner. Uh, and hey, we're also sponsored by ourselves. What do you mean by that? Well, I'll tell you. We've got another <laughs> Flophouse live show. Remember that show I mentioned at the top of the show? I'm mentioning it again. That's right, March 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be appearing live on your computer screen if you log in. Unfortunately, we can't lawnmower our lawnmower man our way onto your screen and just take over. <laughs> or uh, lawnmower but if our you, way on. Or lawnmower a lawnmower will not help you with a computer. No. That lawnmower man movie it really dis it created a, <laughs> a, an incorrect notion in a lot of people's minds <laughs> that lawnmowers could get you onto the internet. It's not how it works. Yeah. Not what the title means. Yeah, but I mean, I keep showing up be... to Apple stores and I'm like, "Hey, where are all your lawnmowers, <laughs> man?" <laughs> <laughs> they love that. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Saturday, March 19th, at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be live online. We're talking about the movie Masters of the Universe. That's right. For our first live show in several months, many months, uh, we're going to be talking about a movie that I know I saw in the theaters but have not seen since. Uh, we're going to talk probably about our memories of the He-Man characters. Again, a show I watched religiously as a kid that I have very few memories of. So I'm excited to watch this movie and see if it actually turns out to be great. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter, the only thing I remember about the movie is that at one point they eat chicken. So we'll see if that mm -hmm. scene is as important as it looms in my imagination and my memory. So Dan, are you going to, are you going to cosplay as, uh, as everyone's favorite character, he Dan, or are you going to be Danny faces <laughs> or Ram Dan? Uh, or or Moss, Moss Dan? Dan? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. You know what? You, Beast you're, Dan? You're, you're really making a meal out of the fact that my name <laughs> or rhymes Dan- with man. Danator? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Skeledan? Uh, well, I can't do like... If you've seen... Like, I can't change Tila to Stula, right? That's crazy. You can do well, whatever you, you be want, man. Stulator. I believe yeah, in you. Oh, Stulator. <laughs> yeah, or Hordan and his amazing Hort, or whatever the guy's name was called. Um, he was more of a She-Ra villain, I guess. So if you've seen our previous live shows, you know there's going to be an opening PowerPoint presentation from each of us uh, that's going to be really funny. We're going to do a Q&A chat with the audience at the end of it. There'll be some kind of funny bit in the middle, TBD. And most importantly of all, you'll get our honest, unvarnished opinions of the, <laughs> <laughs> of the, the 1987 yeah. Yeah, of the so taking on the relevant <laughs> issues of the day. We don't care whose toes we step on. In today's world, there's nothing more relevant, nothing more important than the 1987 film Masters of the Universe. So you want to buy tickets? Go to theflophouse.simpleticks.com. That's theflophouse.simpletix.com. If you can't make it on March 19th, don't worry. Buy your ticket and it will get you access to a week's uh, worth of time with the recording of the show. Well, uh, you, <laughs> well I don't think the purchase of the ticket buys you the time per se, but yes, the, <laughs> you'll you, you, you an can, extra week of life. Yeah. No, when you buy the ticket, you will have access for one week afterwards to a recording of the show so you can see it after the fact. After that week, the recording will disappear into the ether, never to be seen again. Nothing but a memory like tears in the rain, just mm-hmm. dripping away and evaporating. And uh, once everyone who's seen Foot the show dies, sand, it will yeah. be no record of it ever again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so make yourself one of those people who sees it and will someday die. Saturday, March 19th, <laughs> 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, Masters of the Universe, <sighs> the Flophouse style. And again, that's the theflophouse.simpleticks.com. Go buy your ticket today. You're going to regret not doing it if you don't do it. Yes, and uh, we have no jumbo Jumbotrons this week, but if you want to get up on the Jumbotron, remember you can do so by visiting MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron where you can purchase a personal message for $100 or a promotional one for $200 uh, before we, you know, we do the ads at the end. So before we let Elliot uh, go rest his voice, you guys have anything to plug? I'll continue to plug uh, my current comic book series, Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning from Aftershock Comics. It's on store shelves now. Uh, Pick up the trade paperback of the first series, Maniac of New York, The Death Train, and then pick up the new issues of Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning. As we record this, uh, well, issue three will be released, I think, the week week before this comes out. So if you hear this episode, run to your comic store, put on a mask, go in masked, and buy issue three of uh, Maniac of New York, The Bronx is Burning. It's a four-issue limited series coming out now from Aftershock Comics. Yeah, and I just want to uh, do a little quick promotion uh, plug for the Flophouse podcast. It's just three dudes being silly buns. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sounds fun. I think it's time to do our final judgments Uh on Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Whether this is a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. Personally, I will go and I will say that I, for... For like the first half an hour, I I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be a good, bad movie. Like, I have affection for the type of thing this is trying to do. And I definitely have affection for uh, <laughs> low-budget uh, special effects uh, of, of the period. Um, but it gets so bogged down and boring for me in the middle that I, I wanted to, you know 
find it funny, but I would say it's bad, bad with the proviso that like go on YouTube and maybe look at some highlights of the yeah. movie and you'd have fun. highlights for kids. But uh, what do you say, Stu? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, I think this is for me, this is a good, bad movie. Uh, if you have an affection for uh, kind of, you know, like kind of poor special effects and the, and like cheesy, uh, fantasy adventure movies uh, in the pre Lord of the Rings era. I would say that there's enough funny stuff and dumb stuff that it's worth checking out. Uh, I'm going to agree with Stuart. I think it's a good, bad movie. I feel like the older I get and the farther we get from when these movies like this came out, the more nostalgic I am for this kind of junk uh, yeah. just because mm-hmm. it's different than the junk we get now. So yeah, I'd mm-hmm. say um, if you were like, if you're our age, go go ahead and watch this as a good, bad movie. I don't know how it will work with people who are not of our generation. Adam, what do you think? Uh, you saw it the most times. Yeah, I, I feel like it wore me down. I think if you had asked me after the first <laughs> viewing, I would have said bad, bad. <laughs> I, my wife tells me that this movie has a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's a— one in 10 chance that it is a good movie. Ooh, not a lot of tomatoes. (laughs) I I have my 10-sided die. I'm going to roll my 10-sided die and see if this is a movie I kind of liked or merely a good, bad movie. If I get a a zero, then it's a movie I kind of liked. And that's a red 10-sider. That's probably from your changeling, uh, the dreaming days. I'm afraid I got a six. I got a six, so this is merely a good, bad movie. Okay. 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 That's fair. We left it up to the fates and they decided. The the gods who are not really talked about in this Dungeons and Dragons movie, but are a big part of Dungeons and Dragons. Indeed. Um Dan, you said indeed like that was something you knew, but I don't really I think you were just gonna jump in on the bandwagon. Uh indeed too, (laughs) honestly. I was already looking at the next thing that we uh do on the podcast, which is Letters, letters from listeners. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to find the letters that I sent to myself. I swear, but now I'm having trouble <laughs> discovering them in my uh, in my email. So why don't you guys chat amongst yourselves? You know? Alex, oh, do you yeah. want to keep this part in, or do you want to take it out? I leave it up to you. Yeah, yeah it's up to Alex. Maybe we'll just chat about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, oh no, that's not it. Oh, last <laughs> cool. Wow. So, Adam, you didn't watch this movie with your kids? No. uh, That's weird, right? I guess maybe my nine-year-old would have had some interest in it. But to be honest, he he prefers his stories grounded. I Oh, wow, really? Yeah, if I – I mean, I can't get him into into superhero stuff either, which is like the great stupid tragedy of my life that I'm such a Marvel person and he doesn't really want to watch Marvel movies most of the time. So no, that's too bad. He would rather watch, you know, an adaptation of Ramona and Beezus than uh, adaptation of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. I mean, it's still that's still quality source material. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, right? absolutely. But but I just more, imagine him. You're like, don't Mumble you want to see than Marvel? Yeah, <laughs> you're like, don't you want to watch Avengers? And he's like, can't we watch Topsy Turvy again? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Can we watch Squid and the Whale, Dad? Okay. <laughs> Mystery solved. The this uh, this wound up Mystery. in the trash for some reason. Oh wow! I don't know why. Circular this filing cabinet. Email that I sent to myself <laughs> wound up there, but uh, I mean I it speaks volumes letters. about your self esteem right now, Dan. You know yeah. that you're great, right? You're not trash. 
When you send Thanks. things to yourself, it shouldn't go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, this first letter <laughs> is from Claire, last name withheld. Uh, it's titled The Star Wars Pedantry Saga. Hey, Peaches, I thought, I bet you thought you were done with this particular saga. Guess again, it's coming back for another installment. Yay. A few episodes back, Elway, Elliot, Elway. Elway, John Elway, football legend. <laughs> I couldn't think of anyone more different than Elliot. <laughs> yeah, you, if, you look at, if you look at the spectrum of, of human men, it is yeah. probably John yeah. Elway in one end and me at the other, yeah. A few episodes back, Elliot made a throwaway comment in which he implied that the back half of Star Wars A New Hope took place over a single day. Then in a later episode, you received an email correcting Elliot's, quote, mistake. But as soon as you started reading it, I immediately noticed a major problem. This correction was completely wrong. Elliot got it right mm. the first time. In a scene toward the end of the film... Darth Vader says to Grand Moff Tarkin, quote, this will be a day long remembered. It has seen the end of Kenobi and will soon see the end of the rebellion, implying that the death of Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Battle of Yavin take place in the same day. I thought of emailing a correction to defend Elliot's honor, but then I decided against it. I didn't want to be the person who sent an email because someone on the internet was wrong about Star Wars. And besides, I figured you would get a veritable deluge of emails about this, and I didn't want to toss another one on the pile. But then, weeks passed and no mention of it. Then, in a recent episode, Elliot made a self-deprecating joke, implying that he still believes that he was wrong about Star Wars, and this listener corrected him correctly. I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I had to write wow. in. Driven to madness. Elliot. Saw, saw the injustice and spoke out. I appreciate that. Elliot, yeah. fear not. You are wonderful and brilliant, and you know an excessive amount about Star Wars. And to the dude who wrote in previously, if you're going to waste the flapper's time with Star Wars pedantry, at least get your facts straight. Wow. Claire, last name withheld. So wow, thank you, Claire. Claire's for out being there the defending your honor. Claire, thank you for being the hero I need, even though I don't necessarily, if you're not necessarily the hero I deserve. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Feels good to be vindicated. You know, there are Dave, certain things you, that haunt you. And this is one throw, of them. Yeah. Did you throw that email in the trash because it was making Elliot feel good? <laughs> yeah, I, must I think have so. Subconsciously been like, well, drag this to where it belongs. <laughs> First, Dan did his, his normal search through the emails for the phrases Dan sexy, Dan great, and Dan love. Didn't find mm -hmm. those. Found that email and said, we can't let Elliot see this. No, 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 <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Spirited it away. Um, okay, well. Well, if it was uh, spirited away, I'd have to like figure out which pigs are my parents, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, it would be that's a whole other kettle but of fish. But in the end, everybody's friends, so it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do love in that movie when she picks the she she chooses it right, spoiler, and everyone goes, Yay, you did it. Like, oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they're pulling for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's one more letter. Uh-huh. It goes like this. What Dear what am I right about what? this time, Oop. Dan? <laughs> no, it goes, Dear Peaches, light syrup or heavy syrup? Let's go round robin, starting now with the most captivating of the big three, Dan McCoy. I assume this is referring to which, uh, what kind of peach packing packaging there is, whether we're peaches and lime. Oh, wow, that's a that's a logical leap I wasn't expecting. You know, I yeah, didn't no. get it until this time reading the email. I think that the <laughs> proximity and of yet peaches you chose and to ask this email. You chose to read this email, well, and ask the question, not really understanding what it was. Just like syrup <laughs> preferences in general. Um, Dan, you know, syrup I, is not necessarily light or heavy it's not a specific grade system the grade no, recognizing know. both flavor and color 
Well, that's why I think that it must be about the peaches because you do hear oh. peaches and light or heavy syrup. Whereas like, yeah, uh, maple syrup would be like great amber, great whatever, you know. It's really it's fascinating to be part before. of your process like this. This is great. You <laughs> <know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am a syrup detective. Um, hey, uh, Alex, like make sure to leave all this in and add some more if you can. <laughs> Yeah, sure. If you can loop it for a while. I love them. Adam, you're experiencing the moment I think every guest experiences when they – this is the moment when their when their excitement in the show has already been downgraded <laughs> to interest, is now downgraded to when does the show end? When, when, yeah. when do I get out of here? No. <laughs> I have family I should be. Uh, uh, what what, okay. mo- what monkey's paw did I wish to be a Flophouse guest on? You know what? I, uh, I'll skip the syrup talk. I'll go to the second question in here. That's good because uh, I, I had a nightmare – I had a nightmare last night about peaches. There were millions of peaches. Peaches for oh. free. And it was <laughs> no. millions of peaches. And I just, it was too many. Don't do this. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you don't live in the country, so it's no. not a, an no, issue you're going to deal yeah. with. Um, turning to Elliot, what do you think are the chances we'll see a Ray Dennis Steckler biopic in Stuart's lifetime? I feel like it'd be super <laughs> easy to get Ray Dennis look like Nick Cage to play Cash Flag himself on account of all his castle bills. Faithful years, first name withheld, a boo-boo. So what do you think, well, Elliot? Unfortunately, the problem is Nicolas Cage would have been a perfect Ray Dennis Steckler, but he's a little old for the part now unless it's an older Ray Dennis Steckler. But you want to see him when he was younger, when he was making like incredibly strange creatures and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. he really had no idea what he was doing. And But I don't, I'm curious why it was in Stu's lifetime that they were asking uh, since— It's probably shorter. I don't well, know. I- you take better care of yourself. Yeah, uh, I would assume that you might be the uh, most long-lived. I mean, physically, I'm an Adonis, but mentally, you know, I'm a mess. Mm. I mean, the that's thing the is thing. also that, like, yeah. It rots from within, you know? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's life. Well, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's life. bleak. <laughs> very But not very as bleak. bleak as the prospects of a Ray Dennis Steckler movie, because it's like the, yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough about his life story to know if it has the the uh, character interest that, say, Ed Wood did, because that's the closest yeah. Parallel. Ed Wood and Dolomite are basically the closest parallels you would get. For those who may not uh, know Ray Dennis Steckler, of course, the director of such films is Rhett Finkabubu, the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed-up zombies and, and others. He did Bloodsucking uh, Freaks, right, also? Which uh, hmm. I, I think he did Bloodsucking Freaks, where I think it's on the poster that where it says, warning, this movie features freaks who suck blood, <laughs> which I think is the funniest <laughs> message you can have on the poster. It's just... Telling you, don't look. the uh, The title is true in this. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm looking it up now. You know what? I don't think he did blood sucking freaks. Yeah, after I don't, but I he think did. I yeah, but yeah, he did do um, Rat Finkabubu, which is nearly unwatchable. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen it? I mean, it is no. unwatchable. It's it is so boring, and our and the there's so much of it that is just the camera following this one woman's butt as she walks down the street in kind of tight '60s pants, and you're like. It goes from titillating to incredibly boring so fast. And you're like, now, when do we, when does Rat Fink come out? And the story about this, I don't know whether it's true or not right, though, is that it's a, it was supposed to be called Rat Fink and Boo Boo, but they didn't yes. correct it. <laughs> yes, but the title came out wrong and it was too expensive, so they didn't so, fix it. Yeah, it's so just Rat Fink a Boo Boo, which means nothing. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, the other thing also means nothing, but it is easier to understand. You're like, oh, there must be a person called Rat Fink and a person called Boo Boo, which is correct. It's 
it's part of the movie, not even the whole movie, which is the strange thing. Part of the movie is a, is a parody of Batman and Robin. So once you see that they're superheroes and it's called Rat Fink and Boo Boo, you're like, I get it. It's like Batman and Robin. But Rat, Rat Fink a Boo Boo sounds like a dish you would get in a foreign restaurant. Like you yeah. don't know what it is. Like it's, I thought it was like, like some I kind guess of dance. Yeah. I'm, ha- I'm, ha- I'm, having, uh, I'm having Rat Fink prepared in the style of Boo Boo. I don't know what, what this. Or it's like uh, Rat Fink is a thing that you are supposed to do to a Boo Boo. Like one of the bears from, <laughs> like yeah. if there are multiple boo boos, perhaps. Look, go rat think yeah. a boo boo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now this is uh. one. I'm looking up his credits now. This is one I have not seen, but he did make a movie called The Mad Love Life of a Hot Vampire, which is which is <laughs> a, a funny name. It's a pornographic horror film, apparently, according to Wikipedia. That is a a a funny name. But he I was mean, a master of titles. I mean, his movie, The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies, is mostly made up of local cabaret footage. And it does have a – I mean, he he does have one of the strengths of low-budget filmmaking of that time, which is that you get to see a lot of interesting shots of what L.A. looked like in the mid-'60s, you know, because he couldn't afford to shoot it anywhere but the streets of the city he lived in. But anyway – uh, I would be I'd be curious <laughs> to see that movie, but I don't think it's likely that it's going to happen. Certainly not in my lifetime. Okay, well, let's close no, no, up the mailbag not. and uh, move on to the final uh, portion of the show, which is where we recommend movies that maybe that could be a, maybe a better use of your time than uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, or Red Finka Boo Boo. Yeah, I, I'm gonna recommend. Uh, I recently rewatched uh, P.T. Anderson's Inherent Vice, which is a movie that I saw when it came out, and I thought I could see where it was good, but I didn't connect with it at all. I mean, it is a very hard movie to follow intentionally, uh, not made any easier that, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix, who is a very mumbly man in in most roles, is is mumbling it up even more so as the stoned protagonist of the movie. Uh, Just throw on the captions, dude. But this time, rewatching it, <laughs> I uh, it unlocked for me in a way, like... I realized that a lot of the sort of confusion of the movie was meant to mirror his sort of stoned haze that he lives life in. And that part of the joke of the film is that there's a big conspiracy that would be easily, easily dismissed as, you know, marijuana paranoia, except for the fact that it is real thing. It is real stuff that is happening. And it is sort of about how, there are all of these sort of real terrible things uh, being put in place because of money and power at all times that can easily be uh, dismissed as paranoia, but are happening. Uh, and in the midst of that, you know, like all that can be done is this man does what he can to <laughs> at least eke out the smallest, you know, personal victory uh, while this crazy stuff is going on. And I find it a lot funnier uh, than I had before. I understood enough of the plot the second time around to kind of uh, be able to be cool with the stuff that I didn't understand going on. Anyway, like, it, it was just a movie that, you know, sometimes if a movie is complex, but you... <laughs> you sense that there's something there like obviously like any other work of art returning to it letting it open up you know uh seeing it at a different time in your life is 
uh, can be a great thing. And I really liked it a lot more this time around. Um, so inherent vice, uh, is my recommendation. Inherent vice Stuart. Uh, okay. I'll recommend a movie that's available currently on HBO max. I'm going to recommend Ridley Scott's little movie, the last duel. It is a historical sword and sorcery epic. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a movie that fucking rocks. It's we got, got swords, Dan. The, that part was true. Yep. Uh, true, we got, uh, and we have the movie magic of Matt Damon uh, and uh, Adam Driver and Ben Affleck. Um, Matt Damon plays Jean de Carouge, a prickly uh, squire and, Adam Driver plays Jacques Legree, his buddy who thinks, who fancies himself a womanizer. Um, and uh, Ben Affleck is kind of like the, the Duke that's above them. And uh, Matt Damon's wife is played by Jodie Comer. And the movie is a collection of tellings of a specific event uh, where uh, Matt Damon's character's wife uh, played by J Jodie Comer uh, claims that she has been sexually assaulted by Adam Driver's character and we get kind of tellings of this uh, story from the different characters. Uh, it's great. The performances are all super fun. Uh, and the duel at the end is fucking wild. And Ben Affleck delivers one of his best performances of all time. It's great. Uh, movie rocks. Mm. Ridley Scott was right. We were wrong. We should have seen that shit in the theater. It's great. <laughs> Check that shit out. <laughs> I don't think it was a case of right or wrong. No, nope, he's right, dude. Situation. You're wrong. I mean, it was, it was a, a look, pandemic. You're either wrong or you're uh, Ridley. That, <laughs> yeah. Reasons not to go out of the but world. But it's, it's fun. It was, it was especially fun to watch after watching House of Gucci because House of Gucci, we kind of talked about one of its flaws being that like Ridley Scott might not have been the best director suited for this material, but he is like it. Last Duel is great. It is a great movie, and he is great with that type of shit. Mm. I'm looking forward to watching it. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm hoping too soon. Thumbs uh, up. It's what, great. What movies have I been interested in watching? Well, here's one that I watched recently that was very depressing, but a very good movie. I watched uh, recently the movie Mr. Klein, or as it's known in its original France, Monsieur Klein, which is a movie from 1976 uh, starring Hélène Delon, who is uh, – he plays – it's in, uh, an art dealer in 1942 in France. Uh, his name is Robert Klein, and he has started as a, a specialty now of basically taking advantage of Jews who are fleeing the country and have to sell off their art collections cheap. And then he makes a big profit off of it uh, due to a – what seems like it could be a misunderstanding of identity involving a piece of mail or it could be a plot against him. He doesn't know why. He starts getting confused with a different Robert Klein who is Jewish and who the French police are looking for because they're preparing to round up all the Jews to ship them to the camps. And Klein becomes so obsessed with finding this other Robert Klein and at first proving that he himself is not Jewish so that he'll be saved. And then eventually he becomes more obsessed with finding this man and he keeps seems to keep always just missing discovering his true identity or why he seems to have trapped him into this. And he becomes so paranoid and obsessive that by the end of it, he is racing headlong into his own destruction and completely ignoring any chance of escape or getting out of what is becoming a more and more dangerous situation as Par as Paris becomes a more and more dangerous place to live. And it's a really chilling movie. Uh, it is super kind of uh, mm -hmm. depressing and bleak, but I thought it was really good and really well made. And just the dread and the uh, almost 
inevitable doom that he is chasing throughout the movie because he just has to know who this other person is and he can't let go of it uh, becomes very um, uh, it just it really drew me in so uh, that's Monsieur Klein uh, I would recommend it just don't expect to have a good time when it's over well, what, it's, what it's about super Robert bleak Klein's, movie what about Robert Klein's stand up set in the middle of it that's the him? weird thing is that this movie came out when Robert Klein I guess was performing but was not yet a huge star <laughs> or maybe <laughs> okay. he just wasn't well known in France so for a yeah. while during the movie I was like yeah Robert Klein look him up he's probably performing in LA right now like go <laughs> see him but uh, uh, if you can if you can ignore that the same way that uh the the novel Day of the Locust, the main character is named Homer Simpson, and it's hard to read it now and not yeah. imagine Homer Simpson from the show, uh, get you know being drifting through L.A. as a, as a man with no no point to his life, eventually leading to tragedy. Elliot, real quick, uh, I kind of zoned out during your description. Is Mr. Klein uh, a biopic about actor Chris Klein, star of Chun Li, uh, the Street Fighter movie? <laughs> it is not at all. It is. It came out before I believe he was born. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, uh, Adam, do you have a recommendation? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend recommend the movie that I watched immediately after Dungeons and Dragons, or which okay, I guess technically that was Dungeons and Dragons because I watched it a second time and then a third, mm. but but then after that, uh, just last night I watched a movie that I know the three of you have probably already talked about before, uh, The Green Knight, and oh <clears throat> yes. It seemed, uh, you know, appropriate just because obviously they're both um, medieval fantasies. But, you know, just the first minute of The Green Knight, uh, it, it's such an intense scene set, uh, sort of a symbolic scene in which Dev Patel's uh, Gawain uh, as king is seated in a throne. He's holding his symbols of power. There's this very forceful and kind of sinister sounding voiceover overlaid on top of it and we watch as Dev Patel's head bursts into flames. And at, at that moment, I was just like, I think I would rather watch the first minute of this movie 120 <laughs> times in a row than have to watch yeah. Dungeons and Dragons for a fourth time. <laughs> I spoke, well, I've got some bad news. No, no, oh, I've got some bad news for you. I just, I just got word you have to watch it. Oh. Sorry, it's out of my hands. I'm just, I'm just the messenger on this one. I spoke earlier about how I just... From an artist perspective, I just felt like so many of the scenes and shots were just kind of poorly composed. They weren't composed the way that an illustrator would compose them. And almost every frame of The Green Knight <clears throat> is a painting. You know, it it's exquisitely chosen colors and it's uh, it's perfectly aligned and and the values are are really thoughtfully um, set against each other. The the values of light to dark. I mean, and. And just a lot of times during the movie, I just thought, oh, geez, that that assemblage of children watching a puppet show looks like an odd Nerdrum painting. Or that approach to the Green Chapel looks like mm-hmm. a, a Friedrich painting. You know, it, yeah. it's over and over again. I just felt like I was getting an art history lesson watching it. Yeah. Um, and it's that also shot just, of jizz dripping down a belt. <laughs> okay, yeah, my, not, my, not my favorite shot there, but... <laughs> It was <laughs> it was just so beautiful and uh you know, jizz and all. And <laughs> yeah. I I just was really in awe. I think a lot of people thought it was slow. I I liked the the pace of it, I liked the mood of it. Um I liked the way that I just couldn't stop thinking about it for a long time afterwards. So 
The Green Knight rented at uh, yeah. Casa Video in Tucson. I feel like, and I feel like the Green Knight specifically, like it leaves you, like it 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 ends so strong that it kind of leaves you thinking about it. Like, yeah, yeah, it stuck in my head for a couple of days afterwards. No, I, yeah, the, I think it's probably my favorite movie of last year. So I wow on board with that. Um, well, uh, Adam, thank you uh, so much for being with uh, us as our guests. It was nice to have. Someone with uh, some insider knowledge and who did so much homework. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that you want to plug uh, before we go? Uh, you know, I think uh, Elliot kind of plugged everything at the beginning. I write and illustrate kids' books. Uh, my most recent is Gladys the Magic Chicken, written by uh, Adam Rubin, actually. I didn't write this one. I illustrated it. Uh, it's about a chicken who may or may not be magic who goes on an epic adventure that she largely does not notice. That sounds great. I mean, the title kind of gives away that she's magic. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's up to you, the reader, like, Elliot, yeah, yeah, to decide. Yeah. <laughs> like, but if you read the title, it's kind of right there. Yeah, well, the well, I'll take it chicken. up with the writer. Like I said, I did not write this one. <laughs> <laughs> but right. it, uh, And uh, I, I want to say that uh, the all of Adam's books are – I'm talking about Adam Rex right now. Adam Rubin's great, too. Sure. But now I'm talking about Adam Rex. Uh, I've, I've been a big fan of his work for such a long time, and you will – not go wrong with pretty much any book with his name on it that you can pick up. There are ones that are favorites of mine, but there are none where if you asked me if you should get it, I would say no. Get anything you see with his name on it. Pick it up. You won't regret it. You'll love it. And then you'll get the other ones. Thank you, Elliot. That's why I'm putting his name on my book when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> a theoretical book. I'm not, I don't have a book. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, listeners. If you have a moment, go to iTunes and leave us a review to help spread word about the show. You can follow the Flophouse Pod on Twitter. You can follow the Flophouse Podcast on Instagram. Uh-huh. And if you uh, enjoy YouTube, go I like to that YouTube. streamlined branding. It's just <laughs> yeah, consistent YouTube. across all platforms. It's too late now. <laughs> YouTube.com, the Flophouse Podcast is where you can find uh, some videos uh, of our stuff. Uh, if you want to go to the flophousepodcast.com, you can click on the merch tab. If you want Flophouse merch, like T-shirts and such, posters, we are a member of Maximum Fun uh, Podcasting Network. That is located at MaximumFun.org. You can check out all of the great podcasts on the network. I'm almost at the end of the spiel, and that means I'm going to thank our producer, Alex Smith, who is at Howell Doughty on Twitter. Yep. You can see what he's up to. Uh, thank you for listening. But until next time, I have been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Ellie Kalen. And I'm Adam Rex. Bye. See, now we have an outback. Outback. Out out we have an outback. Now we have a steakhouse from the land down under. It's called Outback. Oh, man. That's not about Blooming onions office. for everybody. Finally, finally, we've got a place for me to put all these onions that keep blooming. Guys, I try to get uh-huh. to the onions before they bloom, and I can't. It's just too, I'm always too late. Uh-huh. I'll set an onion down on a plate. I'll uh-huh. turn away. Uh-huh. I'll turn back. It's bloomed. I don't understand yeah. it. Yeah, I feel like somebody's gaslighting you at this point, Elliot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like Danielle Maybe. has a big stack of bloomed onions and she's just waiting for you to put one down so she can swap it so she can get yeah. all your inheritance. It's going to be great. Okay. Blooming onions Boom. sounds like something that uh, the dad in My Fair Lady would say. About. <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.